0: All right, episode 100 of Inappropriate Earl. I never thought I would get to this number. Uh, you know, when I first started this podcast, I wanted to interview my comedy friends. And then when I saw the first uh, couple episodes numbers, about 12 views each episode, I'm like, I better reach out to the my favorite era of, you know, music, comedy, you know, pro wrestling, freakers from the 80s. And uh, now that we have a bit more of a following, I'm back to interviewing my favorite comedy friends, entertainers, musicians, and uh, I can't think of a better one to interview today on the historic 100th episode than the great Papa Joe Bartnick.
1: (laughs) Thank you. It is quite an honor. To be on number 100, let me tell you. It's, uh, you've, you've, and it's you've done this quick. It seems like you just started, now you're at 100. Or am I... Did you do two a week at some point, or did you... Uh, I, is this like someone in a soap opera goes away to boarding school and comes back an adult?
0: <laughs> or is there some lost episodes? The uh- There is. There are two lost episodes... Uh, Episode number one, and this is a little bit of inappropriate oral trivia, was with the great Jason Galern. Wow. And Jason Washington, who used to be a door guy at the comedy store who became a porn star in real life. And uh, one Saturday afternoon, I wasn't quite sure what I was doing yet. We talked for about two hours. They got up and left i looked at my computer and i hadn't plugged it in <laughs> so uh it's recorded but only from my macbook and it's that which is basically uh the opposite direction the speakers from my macbook that the guests uh, speak on so it sounds that's like- the
1: story of my life well hopefully this will last uh i did uh an old uh, Dottie show Sam Tripoli The Roast of Santa Claus Uh, and I did this is back when uh, Tiana did it Hinchcliffe did it this was like five years ago and I crushed and it didn't record (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> back when i was like more of a roast guy right and uh i just i was so high and i i, I said like five jokes but just my intermittent just talking shit can we do we swear or well, you can do whatever okay <laughs> whatever. uh yeah just talking shit uh i killed and then it was like they then the next day sam's like you'll never believe this buddy we didn't record it can you come back the next week well then of course the jokes aren't going to work the next week But that's okay.
0: Yeah, no, I've had a few episodes. Uh, I think one of my first 80s guests, uh, I forget who it was. I was so excited to have them on. And, you know, it's still the weirdest thing. I looked over, the light was on, everything was recording. 30 minutes later, we're talking about the 80s, the, the pussy, the drugs, the concerts, the backstage hijinks. I do a brief check over to the recorder and it's not on. Well, you know, you do. I mean,
1: you are doing this without a net Uh, for like for my for my uh, hockey podcast, Puck Off. I employ the great Johnny Bench so that he's so we can blame him when it doesn't work. Oh no, (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like I I, if I if it was up to me to do any anything technical, I still wouldn't have a podcast. So and luckily on Insensitivity Training Court does all that stuff. So.
0: Well, I am lucky enough to have the great and legendary uh, Ari Manis, who is a very funny comic and a door guy at the comedy. Oh, store. great. I love Ari. He's uh, He helps you with this? He, ba- I gave him my Amazon password, and he bought everything I needed for this, and he set it up, and he showed me how to edit the music I use. And uh, so I, I would be lost without Ari because uh, he's one of the good dudes in LA comedy. He really is a great kid. I mean, there's not many good dudes or women in L.A. comedies. Everyone's climbing over each other, palming, bullshitting. <laughs> That's one of my favorite. I mean, we met. We met.
1: Uh, we're doing the Ian Bag show together years and years ago. And it was funny. And I met you and you're one of the very first people that was nice to me when I moved here. And also used to do like puppetry for the penis. <laughs> At every chance you could get. It was well, always the funniest thing would be like, you'd be like, hey, Barton, I get turned around and your dick would be like, this is a whatever, a blooming onion.
0: <laughs> I think uh, I did. Well, you know, I was the only uh, writer on the Ian Bag show other than Eddie. I think I outlasted Eddie Gosselin, uh, who stayed the whole run of the show. Uh, you know, people, for whatever reason, just... Um, you know, it's a hard show to work. I mean, well, Ian, Jane Lynch was there a long time. Uh, I'm, I mean, outside of me and uh, the producer Andrew, it was this rotating door. You know,
1: now it wasn't Andrew was was uh, Louis Anderson's boy
0: toy, right? The, well, I no, no, that was another dude. Oh, okay. I, I don't think he was his boy toy necessarily. <laughs> I just think he was in charge of. Uh, you know, uh, you know, possibly um, arranging dates for Louie.
1: Oh, okay. Not, um, not, not, not to throw, uh, no, not Andrew, the not Abraham, Abraham. Yeah. Not Andrew's like the guy from the comedy and magic store, right? Yeah.
0: But he was uh, one of the writers on the Ian Bag. Yeah.
1: Show. Yeah. But that's not the same guy. No, the money
0: guy, the, the money guy was Abraham. Yeah. And he was, he was connected to Louie Anderson. And yeah. And Louie was, I guess you'd say a mentor of the Ian bag show. He would, uh, come down and uh, be a guest if we needed someone that week. And, you know, obviously he's a legend and uh, it was. Uh, that was pre my era. I yeah, never yeah. Got- that was like when I first came. You know, as a matter of fact, the first meeting I had at the Ian Bag show, we had a writer's meeting and it was at some guy's house up on Sunset. And I was a little intimidated because I was a green comic at that time, and I'm, I'm around Ian, and I was always scared of him. Still am. Like he's so good. It's like fuck. I, <laughs> I don't want
1: to play mean, play hockey against him. Then you get. I had two goals, and I'm like, oh, I'm going for the. I'm like going for the hat trick. He was just skate. He was so much faster than me. He would skate by like I wouldn't see him, and just cross check me. And go. You're not getting. You're not getting the hat trick, partner.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh uh, yeah, I mean, I'd just
1: be in the crease and just be just come over and just clean me. And just like. <laughs> You're not gonna think because I, we're good friends. I'm the only guy he would hit, like in the whole league or the whole whatever. Because you're big enough to like take the hit. <laughs> yeah, I can take a hit, and I enjoy. It's fun, you know. It's Ian. We, we're all having fun here. But he would. That was. Uh, it was great. Ian, I didn't recognize Ian when I first got there. I literally didn't have a helmet. I, I had like Renner skates, like you know uh, Dorothy Hamill skates. I didn't have a helmet. Just brought my like hot. Just brought my street hockey stick and like i was gonna wear shorts and just go out there and he's like ian's such a nice guy he gave me his helmet after like week three but i, I didn't have anything the first two times i played I had no equipment just out there skating around oh ian's the best and like but i was like i i walked in and i'm like i saw ian skating around i didn't recognize his ian i'm like what did i get myself into <laughs> the guy's six five two thirty forty anyway let alone on skates he's a monster yeah he's a big dude He saved my, he saved my, he really saved my sanity. When I first moved here, like the first year, I was driving the five every day, every, every week going up and doing gigs in the Bay area or like all the way to Seattle or Portland, whatever, keeping all my connections. And he looked at me like, you're crazy. Uh, Just come work on my show. Meet, meet people in LA. And I'm like, okay, it's like a good thing. I met you and you're a great guy.
0: Well, you're an awesome dude. And Ian's an awesome dude. And that show is like, that show would have should have been something. Should have been. They shouldn't be. They're handing that to all these foreign queers.
1: You know, this should. Be, I mean, I know Ian's a foreigner, but he's not a queer. But I mean, they should. Have, it shouldn't be
0: that fat Steve Borden or whatever, and then the other guy. It should be. Uh, it should have been Ian Bag. I mean, that show was really the Tosh show before the Tosh show. Tosh was a guest on one of the earlier uh, shows, so it's, it just shows you the wacky business of uh, Hollywood. It ain't the funniest people getting you know, TV shows or gigs because Ian's like. Speaking of Eddie Gosling, I remember he came to
1: see me and Sam Tripoli's uh, Comedy Central pilot of The Naughty Show, and he was upset, he said, the whole way home because the pilot was so good that we shot. He never thought Tasha's show had a chance.
0: Isn't that crazy? Yeah. What, uh, I uh you know, I think normal people who just go to comedy shows or watch TV have no idea of the, you know, the process of getting a show on the air, you know, the great shows that never get on the air. Oh, absolutely. Most
1: great shows. I mean, that's why, I mean, look, I think it took The Sopranos like three years to get put together
0: properly. Yeah, and I think... People uh, passed on The Sopranos. Seinfeld was... uh, I think the pilot wasn't that good or something, at least in the executive's eyes, and they almost passed on it.
1: Well, yeah, the, the, the coolest thing that seinfeld could hold his hat to was he was making so much money already as a stand-up that he didn't have to suck dick so he literally was like well that's the show go after yourself and they finally came around to like okay well that's the show he's not gonna budge
0: yeah i mean it's uh and then of course there's like a movie like rocky which i think is the best story ever from the standpoint of like every studio passed on it and then stallone found one that said well we'll give you 100 grand for it but you can't be in it and he just persisted and not to turn this into a tony robbins well
1: well well my well my friend herb Nanis, who uh the the great friend of mine he used to be his agent at william morris he actually uh, he actually found roseanne he used to put roseanne he used to pay for the private jets to fly roseanne to open for julio and glacius that's how roseanne got a break yeah. The, the great Herb Nanis. Still Stallone actually thanked Herb and the Hollywood Reporter or whatever, like put a big ad out that was in Herb's office that said without without Herb Nanis, nothing would Rocky wouldn't wouldn't have happened. Herb's got these great Stallone stories, how when Stallone had a plane, then fly to Harris's ranch to have like steak lunches and then fly back.
0: That's cool. Who uh Schneider. Rob Schneider has some great Stallone stories from Judge Dredd. <laughs> it's. It was. I. I never saw Judge Dredd. So uh. it's. I mean. I'm not. Uh, apparently, it's like one of the big uh, no nos with uh, people who like comics. That uh, it's a pretty bad adaptation of. Of you know, like I guess Judge Dredd in the comic never had his mask off or his whatever he wore on his head and stallone was you know obviously you saw his face the whole movie so, <laughs> you know. oh I, I can't do it stallone but what do you mean i'm not going to show my face <laughs> and uh he's, they made rob come back i guess rob died i didn't really see the whole movie but he get, i guess he dies at the end and stallone saw the final cut he's like oh, we got to bring him back you know it's not sad enough so rob was off doing another movie and they Flew him to like Seattle, and they did a green screen where they made it a sadder ending. So it's like, <laughs> come on, it's Judge Dredd. I'm sure the first ending would have been fine. Oh, I mean, it, 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 uh, whatever. I made some extra cheddar, but Stallone gets a lifetime pass for the brilliance of over the top. I mean, that's just
1: yeah. You know, not too many guys have made have been two people that are just completely iconic. Like he's Rocky and Rambo and Lincoln Hawk.
0: Not quite as uh, sad. It's the guy from Over the Top.
1: Oh, yeah. I I missed it. It What's funny is Stallone Nighthawks is a great movie. That is. uh, I'm I'm sure it's been talked about on all 99 episodes of this podcast. But
0: if you see the book I am pointing to right now, to Joe, is the great biography, All the Moments, Rutger Hauer. Oh, yes. A little Rutger Hauer. Well, he told her I only bought that book to hear about the chapter of Nighthawks, <laughs> uh, and it, Nighthawks has been talked about in depth, yeah on I was this gonna podcast. say it's like, it's like inside the actors' studio here <laughs> well because if you if if you're familiar with that the movie, uh the final scene is when Stallone is in drag as Lindsay Wagner and <laughs> uh Ruckerhauer breaks into the apartment he's about to stab. What he thinks is Stallone's wife, and Stallone sees the reflection in the, in the uh, pot he was cooking in, turns around, and he shoots Rutger Hauer. Now, it seems like a simple scene. That was the first scene they shot, which is weird to me that you would shoot the ending first. Stallone's methods are, are, are genius. But here's where it gets great is that without telling Rutger Hauer you know, he was hooked up to a cable, so when he got shot, the cable would yank him back and, you know, it, it would, you know, give that effect. And without telling Rutger Howard, Stallone had the guy running the cable turn it to the highest power possible. <laughs> you know, it was like on level 10 where Rutger Howard was told, hey, it's at level two. Right. So if you watch that final scene in Nighthawks, you'll see Rutger Howard react like he did get shot because he didn't had no idea of the power isn't that the genius of stallone though yeah
1: (laughs) you couldn't act like you got actually shot unless you really felt like you did get shot
0: (laughs) and they didn't get along the whole rest of the movie because (laughs) he was the first scene in all the chase scenes rutger Hauer, who obviously wasn't a muscle-bound dude would outrun stallone and stallone was getting pissed that you know this here's this unknown actor at the time like Embarrassing him and, and all the physical scenes. So, uh,
1: Stallone had that much pride. Well, what, 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 what I, I, did Stallone. Well, did Carl Weathers let Stallone catch him in Rocky Three on the beach? I mean, which is one of the most homoerotic scenes. Uh, in, uh, I know Every, everyone. Everyone remember it's like there's scenes in movies that you just remember that scene. You remember them running on the beach. You remember ass to ass. Yeah, I mean in in that in that, uh, Room for a Dream movie, which is that's have you ever see that movie? I have not. Oh, there's a movie called Wrecking for a Dream. It's very disturbing. Basically, Jarrett Leto, um, uh, a really hot chick, uh, a really hot chick, I forget her name right now, and uh, one of the Waynes brothers get hooked on heroin, and the dude's mom, this old lady gets hooked on diet pills and they each just disintegrate and they get to the point where the hot chick, her life disintegrates so much that now she's paid to do at, to do double dildo scenes in like a bull ring and just a bunch of Asian guys sitting around throwing money. At them, and they go
0: ass. This.
1: <laughs> well, I've been there. No. <laughs> and some stations black it out, which is horrible well i mean when you stay up when you TiVo vo it now you still have to stay up
0: but you, you TiVo, vo and you're like what you cut out the best scene i just fast forward right to that scene i mean that reminds me of a bachelor party i went to in vegas with all these elite high-level agents and managers and uh they'd hire these two prostitutes to do a, a like a dildo like it was like a two foot long dildo and, and each girl is at the other end right that's the yeah that's the movie it, no, but no but i, I mean that's what in they real did. life
1: yeah i know i know but i'm just saying that's they they're they're reinventing that scene
0: it was the most amazing and for like 20 minutes that they would get in all these wacky positions and then but the dildo would never leave their like their private area like right that. And uh, then one of them tried to kiss me and I'm like, you got to be kidding, honey. <laughs> I'm good. Go, go to the next guy. I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> so, you know what, what stays in Vegas is, is on the, any private role. I, I have a, my bachelor
1: party was one of the funnest bachelor parties. Uh, it was probably the funnest bachelor party I've ever been to, because it just was like sixty people in like four different locations, and Al Magical planned it so well. And my buddy Kirk, just it was like it was amazing. The it was captain, like, yeah, the cap, the the captain Kirk, and it was it was great. But um, the uh, my horror story from my a I two WWF. Ring girls were at my buddy Joe's bachelor party, and uh, they were they were one one was like a ten, and one was like a six and a half seven. And I did this stupid thing of like the seven was like yeah like the six let's say she was like come on you know whatever let's let's do stuff, and I'm like nah I'm going to wait for her, <laughs> 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 and she got pissed she goes this guy's a dick they threw me down they stripped me naked they inserted fingers fingernails everything in my ass in front of like 20 guys i got raped in front of 20 guys and my great friend and boss at the time was throwing money at them as they were raping me and that's like my vision that's like my that was like my view like like jodie foster from the from the pinball machine oh yeah that's what i see in my mind's eye is jimmy throwing money at this girl as her fucking big fingernails are entering my anus and i'm good on that you know You
0: know, you know like a little anal play uh I've never uh I've only done it once and uh it was that was enough. So I don't mind I go a little fooling
1: around's cool. Nothing nothing too major. This is a little this was a little intrusive, I gotta say. It was um, intrusive. I mean I'm exit only back then. Yeah there you got like Morton Downey Jr. Yeah. Remember I, Morton Downey Jr.? Yeah, he was the best, Bye.
0: yeah. I think you're, you're like
1: a modern day Morton Downey Jr. You should. You're like the modern. If Channel Nine was still local, you'd you would be on the on. you would be on their network.
0: I'd prefer to be more of a modern day Wally George, who uh I don't even know. Wally George was before Morton Downey. He was a guy only in California, but he. I think it was national. He had he had the white hair, and he was like the ultra conservative. You know, uh, almost like a Jerry Springer, Morton Downey combo. <laughs> Springer, is Springer still around. Yeah, and I don't know who in 2016 would go on Jerry Springer.
1: Well, aren't there aren't enough people? Is there that many people left that don't know who their parents are, that, or doesn't know that they're real? That their husband's really a gay guy. I mean. They they because there's like ten shows like
0: that like it's it's him and Maury and Maury just does the pregnancy test it's literally the paternity show he, you, you know I know you know there's only three hundred million people
1: in America though does it seem like there's more than that when you add up all the fuckheads on like Maury oh, like the, like there's that many people that don't know like who 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 the husband of the kids is or the father of the kids are like there's that many black people
0: <laughs> you know what I mean you know, I'd be like it's like a ama- it's amazing. But it is funny to see some of the, uh, you know, reactions when they're not the father. Like this one guy, this black dude. You know, they really built it up. And Joey, you are not the father and he breaks out into this wild like <laughs> e- you know electric boogaloo dance <laughs> <laughs> and it's so funny and you know i think it's great the guy that's
1: that that's like you know t- took an extra job to pay for the pay for the kid and has wasted 15 years of his life and then finds out it's not his
0: kid i like that guy's face and he still was like oh yeah i'll still pay for the kid i'm like I mean, I'm not trying to be Tom Lycus here, but you're an idiot. Yeah, that's I'd cleaning up somebody else's garbage. Yeah, but yeah, I, I like the talk shows from like the late 80s, like Richard Bay Show and like Ricky Lake. I mean, there was a run of like just uh, uh, who was the blonde girl? She looked like Jenny Ellen. Jones. Yeah, yeah. She had
1: one tit. That's why she could play Wipeout on drums. Yeah. <laughs> It's hard for women to play white back because you have to hit the hit the cymbals a
0: certain way. And if you have a tit hanging there, it's hard to. Maybe she could get together with the guy from Def Leppard and they could. There you go. Do a fucking, you know. Yeah. Def Leppard's still going strong. I know. uh, Vivian Campbell got the cancer, but he's, I think, in remission. So Vivian Campbell, it was, I saw him with Dio
1: as as Dio's guitar player he was amazing that's i got thrown over like four chairs through four rows i tried to rush the stage at the civic arena i got thrown over like four chairs by a guy and i'm like ah i think that's what i want to do when i grow up
0: <laughs> they hated each other in real Become a sec- life uh, dio and uh C- vivian campbell like they they didn't talk for like Really? I never heard Dio say a bad thing about anybody. It got pretty. You know it's bad when Dio kind of, uh, uh, you know, I guess uh, Campbell was like, hey, I want to, you know, I'm writing a lot of the songs, playing the licks and, you know, apparently Dio was like, well, I'm Dio, you know. So, <laughs> yeah. You well, know. apparently he's not Ozzy because Ozzy got away with just doing all <laughs> Oh, Ozzy's, I mean, you know, every, you look at some <laughs> of Ozzy's guitar players, uh, either, you know, dying plane crashes or, you know, Jake. Well, no, but I mean, Jakey Lee
1: claims to have written everything on Blizzard of Oz. And doesn't um, any credit for it, right? Well, what,
0: am, I, am I wrong in that or? Well, no, uh, Bob Daisley and Lee Kerslake, uh, who were the drummer and bass player, they claim to have written everything on the first two Aussie solo albums. Well, that's Blizzard and Diary of a Madman. And then Jakey Lee did uh, most of the writing for... Bark at the Moon. Bark at the Moon and The Ultimate Sin. Right. Which, and this is a little uh, bit of history for you Aussie fans, I live on a street called Larrabee in West Hollywood at the end of my street... Is a gay nightclub called uh, <laughs> Flaming Saddles. <laughs> Flaming Saddles in the mid eighties was Larrabee Sound Studios, which is where Purple Rain was recorded and Ultimate Sin by Ozzy Osbourne. So I like Purple Rain better as an album than Bla- than
1: Flaming Saddles. <laughs> no, <laughs> then uh, then uh, I I think I, I think Ozzy jumped the shark in the middle of Bark at the Moon.
0: Well, he was fucked up on drugs, so and then you know. No, seriously, I I,
1: I, I I saw Bark of the Moon tour. It was oh, it was pretty good. But I, I, after that, I I not I they, they, they so many metal bands lost me. Like Judas Priest, amazing, and then they just shit the bed. They started wearing pink leather.
0: That like, was uh right '86 around the parental turbo. guidance
1: tour was horrible. It was horrible. But I love
0: I, that song. Really, we don't need no oh
1: oh oh you know they're, they're like, <laughs> oh i know it was terrible well i saw i saw I, at oz fest like oh probably 10 years ago now me and uh chris tinkle went and, and as like oh hand out some punchline passes and then you get in for free so i judas priest was so bad we almost left before sabbath and then thank god sabbath came out and it was like hell opened like the earth opened up and they crawled out of hell because dude Priest was like watching Sean on, uh, it was like so
0: bad. I'm like, Oh, this is bad. So I saw, uh, was it? I saw priest open up for Ozzy on his no more, no more tours, you know, farewell thing in 92 and they're still touring now. Uh, and I think for S- Sabbath, uh, priest was, uh, Ozzy was sick or something and he couldn't do Sabbath. So, uh, Rob Halford filled in. It was awesome so oh that sounds cool yeah i just saw um
1: i i saw sabbath uh a year ago at the la sports arena
0: i love to see a show there uh, dirty dirty
1: arena oh my god yeah it was like just it, it was like it was like oprah was gonna walk in and try to save people it was so dirty oh it's <laughs> it
0: gross. was like the
1: silver dome during the flood dude that's how dirty it was
0: yeah because if you're used to going to a uh, Staples center which is a very corporate clean beautiful arena or even the pond or the Oh, yeah. Right.
1: Well, the pond's like antiseptic. The pond is like going to a dentist's office.
0: Yeah, but... Uh, the form's still a little nasty. I went to wrestling there a couple of weeks ago. Thanks to uh, some tickets by the great Dolph Ziggler. Thank you. Oh, yes. And it was great to... Uh, he set us up in like the fourth... Me and Sarah Tiana in the uh, fourth row. So we get to like... You could hear them talk to each other. It was really neat to see it from that close. And he's amazing to watch up close. Dolph Ziggler. Yeah. And then uh, it was like a weird show. It was a WWE show on a Saturday night. No promotion. No. It was like, wasn't that crowded. Probably 5,000 people in there. Oh, that's uh, it. And they wasted uh, an appearance. Brock Lesnar came in. And to see that guy up close wrestle is like. Who Who did he fight? He wrestled Alberto Del Rio uh who is a great wrestler and uh he threw Alberto Del Rio around like he was a hundred pounds. <laughs> and, and he's like two hundred and forty pounds sure.
1: of sure incredibly jacked muscle. Well I'll tell you uh years and years ago I saw the great American bash at the Pittsburgh Civic Arena and that's when it was the that's when the end of I call it Georgia wrestling. That's when it was at its height. They had like this, the Midnight Express with Jim Cornette, and they had the uh, the th- their Ivan Koloff, the Koloff, Kr- Crusher Khrushchev. Then they had uh, Luger, they had Luger Sting, they had the the Four Horsemen, Oli Iron. Like like it was the high, it was the Great American Bash, and uh, Dusty actually won the Great American Bash. He he body slammed off the top of a ten foot cage. He body slammed Big Bubba. Oh, well, big Papa Rogers! Yeah, but I, I guess my point of this was, you know, like Sting is ripped, Luger's ripped, Hawk, Animal, those guys. Let me tell you something. If you uh, the, the the two biggest motherfuckers were uh, the Hawk or whatever one's the big dude. Hawk well, they're is both a, pretty big. Yeah, but one guy was like ripped, and one guy was like just big. Uh, the Road Warriors, right. uh, um, oh, of course. Talking. Right, yeah, I mean, just for the listeners. Uh the the, the big guys, I tell you, the biggest one of all of them was Dusty Rhodes, dude. a Dusty guy. Rhodes shoulders were like the front of a fucking SUV, dude. I mean, he wasn't and he still had like the pus sack hanging out the side of his lawn, you know, wow. that thing on the side of his belly, whatever that was. Had a T-shirt on, but I mean, he was the size of an SUV.
0: Yeah, he was a big. Uh, he was like solid fat in that era. Uh, you know, when he got to WWE, kind of.
1: Oh yeah, no, he know. was he was he was steak fat. He wasn't donut fat.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He you was know? steak fat. He wasn't like Abdullah the Butcher fat.
1: Oh no, them big black titties! I think they'd be squeezing chocolate milk out of those things, man. But I could it- love. I love watching Abdullah the Butcher just in his prime, you know. Uh, he was in, there in my turf. I, w- I grew up in Pittsburgh, so we had WWF was our normal one, and then on cable we got you know Rick Flair I mean, and, and 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 Dusty Rhodes. Let me tell you something, Daddy O. Yeah, that's the best. It's yeah. the best era of wrestling. Is that era of George? That era of and and W whatever the Georgia wrestling is. Like I just said, all those guys. Oh yeah, I
0: mean that uh, was the best. Who was it uh, when uh, Roddy Piper was on the podcast? Uh, rest in peace, Roddy.
1: Oh God, rest in peace,
0: Roddy. Oh, he was the best. He was the
1: best. He was the be- he was down there too in that
0: beginning of that era. Yeah, he was all over, and he be- had yeah. uh, a great story about Abdullah the Butcher. Like they were in a tag team match, and the you know Abdullah was nowhere to be found, and uh, so it's basically a two on one. And finally, Roddy told whoever he was wrestling, "Hey, I got to go get my partner. I'll be right back." So. He goes through the locker room, no Abdullah. He goes outside of the parking lot, and Abdullah the Butcher is in a van eating Krispy Kreme donuts. He's <laughs> pounding donuts. And He's like, dude, we're in a match right now. And he came out and you know, shit all over his face. <laughs> That's funny. I met
1: Roddy. The first time I met Roddy was at um, the comedy club in Portland. The Harvey's? Yes. And I just went in to get the key to the um I to get to keep the condo and i walk and i walk in and all of a sudden like uh, i turn around and there's roddy piper yeah and i was like oh my god and he's just like yeah how are you and i'm like dude how are you (laughs) i i know i'm like dude i go You look fantastic for like getting your head kicked in all all the time. And he just looked at me and I go, I mean, you kicked a lot of ass yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Smile. I mean, nicest guy in the world. But I was just, I mean, you know, that's just one of those people you want to meet. The saddest day of my life is when I met Hogan and I had too cheap of a phone to take a worthy picture. Right. I'm like, am I, if I, I am a piece of shit that my phone isn't good enough to he wanted to have a beer with me it was backstage at the Hasselhoff roast and I was busy working I was working for extra and um and Lampanelli at the time so I, I was too
0: busy I mean I met him once uh you know as many of you know I, I was dating the manager of Motorhead uh the female manager and uh I met her she gave me some nice stuff Shelly's the best yeah uh, I saw her unfortunately two weeks ago at Lemmy's funeral but uh Uh, how's she doing she's doing great and the funeral i was uh asked to be an usher because I was the only one who knew who all the rock and rollers were. So they <laughs> figured, and it was the most surreal thing to be like, hey, Earl, uh, Lars Ulrich and uh, Robert Trujillo are here from Metallica. Can you seat them? Oh, wow. So seat them, and then I get a tap on the shoulder. Uh, Earl, the singer from Judas Priest, I think his name is Rob uh, Hoford. I'm like, it's it's Halford. I'll set <laughs> him. And, was uh, it in a church? It was at Forest Lawn. Okay, uh, yeah, where the great Freddie Soto was buried. Yep. And, uh, it was an amazing, oh, we're not buried, but, um, cre- uh, in said bye to, I guess. Right. No, cause uh, he's, he's buried in El Paso. Um, and it was, uh, I've been to a lot of funerals, unfortunately. And this one was probably the coolest one because up on the altar, they had huge stacks of martial amps, <laughs> and, uh, all of Lemmy's bases and, uh the speakers were just unbelievable you had rob halford tell a great story um the guys from metallica uh, was ozzy there ozzy was there um gene simmons was there oh wow um slash was there now have you ever met gene simmons (laughs) i have i was uh uh, you know punked into meeting him uh, by skylar oh
1: i was i was there you know, you might have been. Because- no, I w- I was totally there. I, I, I it slipped out of my mind because I was I was some friends of, I was working on. I yes, because Bill Burr the, was on the show, exact and, and Jim Jeffries. Right. Yeah. And 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 friends of mine from Pittsburgh were in town, and I'm like, I mean, I'm like, you want to see me or let's just go see these guys? Like I doing me do a set, go watch Burr and Jeffries.
0: Yeah. No, I was, uh, and thank God I didn't know they were on the show because. I wouldn't have been able to go, I can't follow those guys. <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty confident in my abilities, but I'm not that confident. And, oh, and, uh, and I mean, it was just, an, I mean, oh, those two guys are. I mean, they're killers. And Owen Benjamin was on the show yeah. and, uh, you know, I think some other big names. And so I met him. Uh, basically, I was told I was headlining some show and I knew nothing about. Right. And uh, so when I, and they wouldn't let me in the room. Yeah. Is, uh, Skyler was acting really weird that night.
1: Because of the secret, yeah. But and I'm like, I'm like, it could not. It could be a. He
0: he made it like he made the secret
1: really crazy, where it could have just been like a real easy thing to
0: do. Like but made, I mean, I think he was doing that because of me, because he didn't want anyone to tell me that it was Gene Simmons, right? No, I know. So I ran up to the stage. You know, when I heard my name and the security guy let me in the room, I'm like, well, you know, I was at the Clive Davis Theater. Yeah, no, I know exactly where. Yeah, I was there. So I was like uh well, there's this, no booze in that place this is a weird place to do an open mic i was basically told i was headlining an open mic yeah and i was like wow this is uh this is a strange place to do an open mic and i <laughs> hear a lot of people in that room and uh because my friend whitney uh it was basically an open mic for
1: burr and and, and that's what made it so great in jeffrey's they were just screwing around with all their news stuff because there was only like a couple hundred people there. Yeah. <laughs> it's a high level open mic. Yeah, no, I know, but you know, like that's what's so great. Like I remember when David Cross came to the punchline and did like six sold out shows with just in leaf through his notebook the whole time just because it's like, yeah, it's no big deal to him. You know oh, I would like, love to I, do that. I know. Uh but go well when I met Gene Simmons, it was at the Gene Simmons Roast. I worked on the Roast and I remember in, in Lampy, it was nice enough to be like, "Hey, so my, you my, my great writer." Blah blah blah. He goes, "Oh, great job!" And I'm like, and I literally got starstruck. Not where I was starstruck, like, "Oh my god!" Like it's Hogan, <laughs> but like uh, I was like, and he goes, "Come here, give me a hug." And it was like, I, and I, 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 I gave Gene Simmons a big hug. Well, I mean, he's just. He was super cool, but I know you've been trying to get him on the show. I hate to be dis. I ho- I was hoping one hundred would be Gene Simmons, not me. What a disappointment!
0: <laughs> no, no, dude. I mean, I. You no, know, man, I know you've been trying to get him on here. I've been trying just because, uh, you know, if there's one guest, it, it would be either him or Paul. But I think Gina's more of a sense of humor. What well, you uh, should try to do you should just get Craig Gas, to be Gene, Gene. Simmons, I, and then and then. And then, and then Gene will get pissed and then come do it himself. You know, you're right. It's, I mean, I when we met that night at that show and I interviewed him for 10 minutes, he loved it. Because, you know, when I do a famous person on this podcast, you know, I say, I don't want to ask him questions they've been asked a thousand times. Right. So I, I dig deep. Right. And with Gene, I dug so deep into some 80s questions. He just looked at me and was like, you know what you're doing, dude because yeah. i you know he's sick about getting questions about ace and peter it's oh like, sure what does he care how did you guys start you're, you're not eddie trunk yeah well eddie's I, <laughs> you know, I i like messing with eddie no eddie's cool i mean uh, he takes it so seriously though i eddie approaches it more as uh he likes to interject himself into the thing like you know when i saw kiss when i did this when i i'm more well,
1: he, but he that 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 whole breakup though that's a big thorn thorn in his side you should come uh the next time they do it i didn't do it this year is the rock is the ronnie james dio bowling charity right i did it i actually came in second i never bowled in my life it's crazy being from pittsburgh and wearing bowling shirts on stage to cover my gut i never bowled on stage or i never bowled in my life i came in second That's how out of shape and unathletic rock stars are that I came in second,
0: never touched a bowling ball in my life. Yeah, I don't think. Uh, well, their abdominals are strong from fucking so much. You
1: know? <laughs> but they're uh, whatever. Yeah, whatever those muscles. They all have the. They all have that Jesus. Uh, yeah. Ab yeah. muscle, whatever that is. I've never. I've never seen that on myself. You have that, don't you?
0: Uh, it's not. Uh, you know, I do a nice combination of fucking and exercise. You there know? you go. Yeah, you're always banging the broads. I mean, uh, you know, I'm, i, I you know, I think the guys who brag don't get anything. So I'll just say, you know, for a non-celebrity, I've, I've I do okay. You know, uh, you're yeah, you're a you're
1: a, you're a you're 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 like you're kind of a celebrity. You're like a D level. You're like a D lister. I'm I'm not
0: even we're, I would you know yeah yeah you're like you know I would it. say I'm like Motorhead, where you know everyone loves me. I'm not really known. I should be known more, uh, b- but due to some bad career decisions, I'm trying to rectify. Uh, and what, would the, what would what would what would would be your biggest regret? Oh, definitely not starting earlier. I mean, I started at 30, which is like embarrassing to say. But uh, I started at like 27. Who cares? But I like when I you know when I, you hear like Chappelle started at 16. It's like fuck. Not that I wish I started that early, but it's like wow if I started at 16, you know. But. Uh, a biggest I,
1: I think you need life experiences, though. I, I don't know. I, I was happy I started when I did because if I started when I was younger and did everything I did, like let's say in the bar industry, I would have I just made enemies everywhere. Like I, <laughs> I would have been I'd be out of it already.
0: Yeah. No. I mean, it's uh, I would say my biggest regret uh, outside of that is uh, but, you know it's just not in me. But I see uh how people get things is is not being a bit better of an ass kisser oh yeah i
1: mean i i would probably on a whole that'd be my biggest regret is just not being a little bit more aggressive in life
0: yeah like i uh started out with whitney cummings doing like open mics and stuff out here and uh you know looking back i see how like when we would all go out to jerry's deli after a show she'd go home and write Or, you know, she had this amazing ability, and I've said it many times on this show before, that she could walk into a room full of 100 people, and find out within two minutes who can help her the most, and go right to them. Right, where I'm finding the guy who can talk to me about Shark Island.
1: <laughs>
0: exactly, an unknown. I'm
1: finding, I'm finding the guy who like who, who thinks Malkin's
0: better than Crosby. Yeah, <laughs> so we can agree for an hour, which <laughs> might be funner to talk to about Malkin or who's a better guitar player, Vinny Vincent or Kane Roberts. But you know, Whitney was talking about, hey, you know, a line producer for Chelsea. Uh, yeah. Whatever. Yeah, and-
1: I mean, the true acting in Hollywood is pretending to like people that you don't. But that's what and, she's and, best and at. And I can't do that. I can be, I can be, I can be not not nice to people. If that makes sense. No, I got like, you. Like, I I cannot. I'm good at not being me. I'm good at being level with people but i'm not i can't be nice to people i don't like and in general i don't really like that many people in hollywood i just don't i i don't like their music i don't like their sports i don't like i don't like movies really i mean i'm a man i'm a man earl i'm a man you are a man's man. Thank you. You're like ra- <laughs> coming from you, it means something. They like, coming from half the other guys I know in comedy, it's like, oh, what you mean? Because I, I haven't seen all seven Star Wars. You know what I mean? <laughs> I like, think there's,
0: I don't. I mean, Star Wars. I don't know. I saw the last one. It was all right. I,
1: I was just, I liked it. I was just, thank God. I, I was, I was, I was like, you know, I was like, really, they're gonna make the black guy the hero? Really? Don't black guys get enough in this business? I mean, well, well not according to Spike Lee and uh, Will Smith. <laughs> Oh, Spike. I've never I've never you know what I never even saw do the right thing because I'm like, I don't need a Titan Americans portrayed the way Spike Lee wants us to think they're portrayed. Like, go oh, fuck yourself, Spike Lee. Well here's go, the thing. go watch the Knicks lose. Right. Yeah, I like the Knicks. I just I don't like Spike. I he, he's he's uppity. Right? Is that the word? I don't like uppity people. It's uppity.
0: Well it's like here's the thing. Uh you know, I mean, I do think Will Smith should have been nominated for a concussion because that was, uh, you know, as a huge football fan, and the movie did focus on our beloved Steelers to a degree. Uh, oh, really? Well, because it was, uh, you know, based on like Mike Webster, and and you know, if you know that story, you know, he's probably the greatest center of all time, and at the end of his life, he's living literally under a bridge.
1: Uh, <laughs> I, I I took a remedial computer class with him.
0: Yeah, I mean, and,
1: and, and, and I did, and when I was in high school, because I couldn't figure out computers, and my mom was like, "You should go." It was like a two night seminar, and he was in there, and it was like a big. His I remember his fingers were like the size of my hand, like one finger. Like yeah, he could barely hit like the the T on the keyboard because it hit like four letters when he was
0: doing. <laughs> I mean, if you look at some of those '70s highlights when they're in playing in a cold weather game and. You know, most players have, like, the long sleeves on. Mike Webster's just got nothing. It's just the jersey on. (laughs) (laughs) He was a tough, tough, but a sad ending to... uh, Oh, he lost his mind. He lost his mind. A lot of those uh, Steeler guys did, you know, from the uh, 70s. Yeah, they're kind of like wrestlers, you know. They kind of, like, took the roids and partied, and now they're dead. Yeah, I mean, that's why, you know, when Piper died at 61, it was like, you know, I was sad because I got to know him, you know, pretty well the last year of his life. Uh, right. But uh, it's like, hey, man, I'm I'm surprised he lived to 61. It's like with well, Lemmy, you know, uh, you know, two weeks ago died. It's like, hey, he lived to 71, and you're talking about a guy who uh, was <laughs> concussion related, but it's a guy who was doing. A lot of things. Staying for 50, up for weeks. 50 years of his life. He stayed up for a day and a half. I'm like, crazy. You guys stayed up for weeks. I mean, to put Lemmy's life in perspective in terms of his partying, he used to roadie for Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> yeah. So well, that's like...
1: Well, Ozzy said he was freaking nuts back yeah. when Ozzy partied.
0: So, like, if you, you know, freak out Ozzy... Yeah. I mean, you know, it's like that. Because Motley-, Motley Crue was freaked out by Ozzy. Well, that's that famous story. Uh, Raking, uh, doing the line of ants. Right? Yeah, I think someone, uh, there was a line of ants by a pool, I think somewhere in Texas, and uh, Nikki Six goes, oh, I'm going to impress Ozzy. And so he pissed on the line of ants, and Ozzy just looked at him and goes, "That, you know, whatever he said, that's nothing, mate. And he snorted. The ants and Nikki Six's urine. <laughs> and then I guess like Nikki and Tommy Lee looked at each other and go, We're in over our heads. Yeah. <laughs> and Vince was probably fucking three girls at uh, you know, once. So my one of my own
1: one of my one of my only good TV credits or anything is I roasted Tommy Lee on uh on Discovery Channel, which is probably why you've never seen it anybody. Uh but I got to meet Tommy Lee, get kinda kinda of friendly with him I was backstage a couple times. And he told me a story when Motley Crue was over in Thailand. There's a place called the Four Floors of Whores, and he only made it to the third floor because <laughs> yeah, he was so freaked out. So imagine what goes on on the fourth floor.
0: Yeah, it's if like, on the third floor Tommy Lee tapped out. Yeah, I mean that's yeah, I mean that's when you can oh, wow. Because isn't that kind of like
1: why like Mick Jagger and Bowie and all those guys kind of get half gay because they just banged everything on earth
0: well it's yeah i mean you know i don't even uh it's like david lee roth and paul stanley are rumored to uh you know maybe uh hang out with some dudes every now and then but to me that's not gay and it's crazy for most people to comprehend this but let's just take david lee roth no he's been famous since the mid-70s so that's what 40 years You, you figured he and it's Van Halen's prime, and even before Van Halen, he was fucking. He was. He grew up in California in the in the seventies
1: as a teenager. Like all the movies of how everything was great, that was David Lee Roth's life. Yeah, you know, like every when you were growing up, you're like, oh my god, I moved to California because these guys, good looking guys, are fucking everybody. He was Spicoli with money. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. In Pasad- he grew up in Pasadena.
0: I live in Pasadena. Because his dad was a very, not famous, but very uh, well known dentist. So if you look at the, uh, I think it was their first video, Pretty Woman, and uh, all the house scenes in that uh, video are from David Lee Ross' house. Uh, and so. Well, he- that movie. I to cut you off. No, that no. movie, that famous, not famous,
1: there's a, that movie about like the party that gets out of hand in that big mansion. That, that's, Van, that's a Van Halen party.
0: Yeah. So, you know, you, you figure he's been fucking for 40 years. Every girl. Grade on Earth. A puss. Yeah. It's not like. Grade A puss. Not so- like, you know. Let's just say conservatively for forty years, hundred girls a year, and that's probably that's like probably not even close. That's five, six thousand women conservative. That you know. So after that, he probably needs a cheese grater to get off. <laughs> so he looks at a dude and is just like, "Ah, fuck it." That's boredom to me. That's not gay. Yeah, you know, just mixing it up a little bit. But it's- if you sleep with like one girl, and then you're like, oh, "I'd love to suck a dick." That's probably good. Same thing with Paul Stanley. I mean, forty years of touring and and
1: well, let's and and thank God you called me a man's man twenty minutes ago. Uh, let's say that you 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 enjoy you you're either a top or a bottom. Say you enjoy having your your anal gland banged. Like everyone, like I, I, you know, don't mind a finger every now and then or a tongue. Someone might say, okay, I could use a, fi-, whatever, whatever that may be. Or you're banging somebody's butt. That, that, that to me is just kind of more like the act of sex. Like, I never want to suck a dick. <laughs> you know, like that to me is gay.
0: Does I mean, that make
1: any sense? Like, yeah. It, it, I, I, we really went off the rails now. <laughs> no, but that's what this podcast. No, but is you about. know what I mean. But you know what I mean. Though? that like like I I, I never went like I never want to be near somebody else's dick. Like I don't. You know, I've never done a two on one because of that. Like I don't need to be near your dick. I, you know, that's eh, it.
0: I mean, I've been to gang bangs, and it, it's you have. You know, I've been to a couple, and uh, you know, I won't bore people with those stories again. But
1: uh, congratulations, I've only I've I've had a couple two on ones
0: and one three on one. Well, I mean, it, it's not, I did it more for the laughs. You know, it was more. It was an open mic. Yeah, It was an open everything. Uh, and it once again, it must have smelled like, ass. oh my God. And, and I gave the girl, uh, the first one I was at a ride home and, uh, cause no, everyone wanted her out of the house and I felt bad. I'm like, yeah, hey, I'll give you a ride. And she had a, uh, this, <laughs> like, Oh, you, you went to, a, I, I was
1: for a second, I confused gang bang with orgy.
0: Well, I mean, this basically was, a, 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 you know... Well, if there's only one girl, it's a gangbang. Yeah, I've never <laughs> been to an orgy. Okay, I, I, I was thinking it was an orgy. I, I'm sorry, I got confused. Well, before I did comedy, I ran with a real wild group of dudes who were all agents and managers, high level, you know, at the, all at the big And agencies. none of them are your
1: friends anymore?
0: Well, they got me into comedy. They're just like, dude, you're the funniest guy we know. Just get into comedy, we'll help you, and then... uh you know, I got into comedy and then they all left except for one to get into real estate. <laughs> so I was a like, clueless for, you know, uh, but, uh, you know,
1: they were. It's like one of the best sets of my life. One of my best sets ever in uh, my life was at the um, I, I was so stoked. One of, uh, one of the first six months or so I was working with, with Lampanelli at the uh, downtown at the uh, was next to Staples Center, that big theater there. And this guy came up to me and he goes, You were so amazing, blah, blah, blah. I But I just retired Friday. <laughs> and he was like, He was thinking about this huge agency, too. Like, oh, all
0: right. if my friends would have stayed in the business, I would have uh, been much bigger than I am just because they were all uh, willing to help me. But, you know, and that. And that behind the scenes of this business is they worked literally 100 hour uh, weeks and then they partied. Whatever other hours were left, and uh, they just got burnt out. I mean, so, who was the chick in the
1: gangbang? Was she like a B actress that thought she was making her waves?
0: Well, no, she was. She's pretty hot, of a, you know. Girl. Kim Kardashian. <laughs> no, <probably. laughs> she, she would have been about t- thirteen at the time, uh, and I don't think that would have bothered too many of these guys. I know that hasn't stopped anyone in Hollywood. <laughs> um, uh so I she gets in my car with just her underwear and a jacket on, and I look over at the jacket and it says Shelby Motors. Now I'm a huge car buff. You know, I love, you know, uh, you know, motor uh, you know, muscle cars and stuff. And I instantly was like, Oh my god, Carol Shelby, the Cobra Mustang. It's like the greatest car ever. You know him? She looks at me and goes, Know him? That's my husband. <laughs> So I'm like, oh Jesus Christ! So I, drop oh her. my God, that that is that is, <laughs> but it's so I I I drop her off at this hotel that was owned by Donald Sterling, of course, no
1: blacks. <laughs> and- <laughs> so you parked out front. You so you left your keys in the car out front. No,
0: she, <laughs> she'd be she'd been fucking like nine of my friends for the last seven hours, and oh goes, my God, was
1: she I guess she was coked out of her mind.
0: No, she's just horny. Uh, You know, I'm assuming she didn't... For seven hours. But she goes to me as I drop her off. Do you want to come up? I'm like, what? (laughs) And so the next day I was... You want to come meet my husband? (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) Yeah, I do, actually. Yeah, it doesn't say you you want (laughs) to write. Can you hook me up on a Cobra? And uh, so the next day at this gym I was working at, I told my two muscle head friends... Hey, I got this girl. She's a live one. You should just go over there. And um, they're like, well, dude, uh, I'll tell her I play on the Raiders. I'm like, you don't have to, dude. <laughs> the other guy's like, I'll tell her I produced Michael Jackson's albums. I'm like, you really don't have to. So I drop them off that night. And about three days later, they call me back. And I'm like, hey, how was it? She's wild, right? She's great. They're like, how was it? We're still here. <laughs> Here's the funnest part. So this starts getting around. And she wasn't doing coke. No, no drugs, nothing. She just liked, uh, you know, sex. Oh, my God. So my one horny friend. uh, And this is is this pre AIDS? This is uh, during AIDS. Oh, no, no. I was going to say because then it's. Yeah, I think AIDS was discovered during this week. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. in front of a Shelby. Yeah, <laughs> in a Shelby. Yeah, exactly, uh, in the front seat. So my one buddy finds out. He's like, dude, i got to get in on this. This is crazy. And the one, uh, yeah, he ruined it for everybody. Oh, he was the worst. He's like, dude, I'll take her to dinner and play pool. I'm like, you don't have to take this girl on a date. Just go over to this hotel on uh, Wilshire and Comstock. And, Comstock. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was crazy, dude. <laughs> so he goes over there, and she call, she calls me the next day, and she never called me. And she's like, sounded pissed. I'm like, hey, Cynthia, what's wrong? Johnny's got a big dick, right? Huge dick. <laughs> she's like, I didn't sleep with him. I'm like, you didn't sleep with one guy? And she's like, Earl, I'm not sleeping with any guy who can't beat me in pool. <laughs> <laughs> and I haven't heard from her since. So uh, she's off the grid, Jack Bauer style. Wow. But uh, so, so you I, were, were, pimp, were pimping her out. Well, she was cool. She just, you know, wanted to, but I mean, these are the types of friends I was hanging with. So like when I'm at the comedy, I don't store, want to meet your friends. I don't meet that chick. Yeah, well, <laughs> good luck. I can't find her. Yeah. She's yeah. Uh, but these are like, it was such a great education hanging with people like this. So now when I'm at the comedy store and someone says they're a ladies man, I'm like, dude, you ain't a ladies man. You know, you're a B teamer.
1: Well, I mean, that's, I mean, yeah. yeah, you know, The one thing I do not regret about starting later is so many kids think they did wild stuff. They're like, whether they're 23 or 24 year old comics, like, oh, we did this, we did that. It's like, you have no idea what I did when I was 18, 19, 20, 21. Like it would rock your little comic world's brains. If you knew the kind of fun, I, Yeah, it's
0: like, you know, (laughs) hey, dude, Skakel, I had a double team last night. It was wild. I'm like, dude, Uh, you know, a nine-on-one gangbang is wild. (laughs) When you run out of rubbers and have to put a Ritz cracker bag on your dick, (laughs) that's wild. So, uh, yeah, I think, but it was a great education in terms of uh, to see how high-level agents and managers like they're womanizers like we would go to nightclubs and because i was sober yeah i mean i'd never done anything still haven't they would want me around to drive and you know i was involved in some such crazy wackiness (laughs) uh that it was well why else would you get in because that's the thing like they're
1: in we're all scumbags in this business uh you know you know what i mean everyone's in it for the broads or the fame or the booze or whatever. No one's in it because they know, like, Oh, I want to be an artist. I want my voice to be heard. Um, so th- they're doing it without even, so their agents, I mean, they don't even have the, like any, they don't even have the, like whatever of being artists, but like, yeah. in- they're not even creating anything. They're just using us to get women. Oh yeah. Yeah. They- you know I mean like, they're. Not- you know what I mean?
0: Like that's their level of scum. It was such an amazing, uh, Education and and the the business of Hollywood and womanizing uh, that that made me the man I am today. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you, guy. I can't thank you by name because I want to. Most of you are married with kids now, and I think it's great that most of you ended up having daughters. So you know, well, you because you went to an you went to an exclusive high school, right? Well, I went to an exclusive grade school in Beverly Hills. Um, and then I went to—I uh, guess you'd say it was a semi-exclusive. What, what do they
1: name schools in Beverly Hills like after famous jewelers? Or
0: this was the, the uh, <laughs> Tiffany. Uh, yeah. Uh, no, this was uh, not. You didn't go. You didn't go to Martin Luther King Junior High, right? Uh, no, not in no. the se- Not in the seventies. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, this was. Uh, it was called Beverly Hills Catholic School, and then switched to Good Shepherd Catholic School. And, uh, I went and switched to, we have more money than God. Fuck yeah. em school.
1: But yeah, it's, it's the real deal. It's like, was it Catholics? Cause my wife is a
0: non-Catholic, but she's a, whatever they are, that they're not Catholics. You know, it was a Catholic grade school okay. and, and probably the, the hardest school educational wise. I went to, I mean, did they have nuns? nuns who uh ruled by intimidation yeah no that's what, i went to catholic school that
1: i to me catholic school you either go either drink the kool-aid and you become a
0: saint or you're like me and you and we're just like f that and we'll live our own lives well it made me uh you know i guess to a degree the man i am today because it was they ruled by intimidation like they it was abusive uh they would you know i remember once i got into a shoving match with some kid eighth grade or something and they got me in the homeroom, and both nuns were just swinging on me, like hitting me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now you'd be—I I, would have won a million-dollar lawsuit, right? Uh, so it, no, I
1: was smack. I was beat up all the time. None broke a ruler over my wrist. Yeah, one of those real rulers, like the, whatever their foot yard, yardstick. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I remember one time uh, none was really abusing me, and my my grandmother, you know, was from Italy and was very religious and said the rosaries and everything, she went up and she told that nun in Italian, you ever touch my kid again, I'm going to kill you.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, that was it.
1: Was just a lady fucking back, That That nun backed off a little bit after that. But, I mean, this
0: was a, just a different era, like, you know.
1: Oh, yeah, well, you know, so I ended up going to a Catholic school because my first couple years in regular school, I didn't do so well. <laughs> and that teacher, that principal used to hit hit you too. And he right. wasn't even a Catholic. He was like just a regular principal. He'd take he, out his paddle and whack you. Yeah, I mean it
0: just, it's just kids today. Like
1: you know, it's just It's why they all suck. I'm not for beating kids, but you know what? A good smack in the head always straighten you up over a timeout. Well, I mean, like with Adrian Peterson. No, now, now I'm doing that. Uh, now I'm doing that. Uh, now I'm doing urban, urb, my urban material. Yo, timeout, yo, yo, yo. I say knockout.
0: Yo 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 yo. Well, I mean, it's just different. You, you know, like you look at the Dean Martin roast, you know, the things that they would like Don Rickles would get away with is like, Jesus you couldn't say his lines today. Well, I saw Rickles like four or five years ago. He got away with them pretty good in uh, whatever Indian reservation he was. On. Yeah. <laughs> well, but I mean, like in Palm Springs, if you watch like the Don, the Dean Martin roast of uh, Sammy Davis and like you know did you buy those i always just watch the infomercial yeah did you you bought them i watch them on youtube oh full uh full you know the full uh shows are on youtube oh sweet uh and like he looked at sammy Davis and it's like either you're black or you fell into a bucket of (laughs) (laughs) m&ms what the fuck (laughs) like you know and then he like he was ripping into will chamberlain and that was funny because the first couple zingers, Will Chamberlain wasn't. You could tell he was like, "Hey, fuck you, man!" Uh, and then he got him. You know, he's like, you, "You're the jolly black giant. Give me those peas." <laughs> and like, Will Chamberlain was like, "What the fuck?" Uh, but you couldn't like, you know, the roast today, and you've written on a lot of them. Yeah, now uh, well, not since the world's become. I
1: haven't written for a Comedy Central roast in a couple years, and I think the world's become much more political correct now than it was even a, even a couple of years ago.
0: I mean, I don't like the the roast of today because to me, it's like it's a bunch of famous comics who I'm most of them are, I'm friends with uh, just shitting on a, some current celebrity like that they don't necessarily know.
1: Yeah, I mean, th- you know, I don't. Yeah, I, I know I, they're popular you know yeah it's become it's become a little bit redundant it's just not as cool as it was the first couple big comedy central ones were great like Shatner was great um a couple other ones even even Hasselhoff's was good but now I mean you know it, it, it it is I just think political correctness is just you know without getting on a rant um, I just think it's it's really ruining comedy. It's really ruining life. It, I mean, it, it's the internet. It's it's like four bloggers that somehow scare people into everything. Like like the whole thing with Amy Schumer, you know, whatever. Like people at home in their basement digging up shit on her, and now it's like you know.
0: I mean, I did like the Bob Saget roast because he. Most of those roasters were his friends so I yeah thought, you know that was a little bit more the you know the dean martin vibe of i'm gonna have my friends shit on it was like
1: the sam tripoli roast we see that when we see the, the roast of santa right it was just us friends i got roasted it used to be a rite of passage in san francisco uh if you were a big enough uh comic when you left For LA, they would roast you at the punchline. So I got roasted for about two and a half hours, just getting sledgehammered. And I was rolling around on the ground laughing. It was so fun. So it was your friends. Yes. I would I would not want like a bunch. That's kind of like when I was when I was a judge at the roast battle. And, like, I was just coming off, like, going and seeing the dead and tripping, like, on acid for three days and doing a bunch of blow. And I was like, whatever. And then that guy that's, like, your partner or whatever, he was ripping on me. And I was like, who, who are you? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like. Uh, you know, it's like. I, but if you would have been, I would have thought it was funny.
0: Yeah, because you, we're friends. Like, yeah, uh, I'm roasting in a week and a half at uh, Riot LA, Olivia Grace. Yes. And, uh, we're very close. And uh, we're gonna say some awful things about each other. Uh, she's had a lot of, uh, tra- I don't want to give away my uh, strategy here, but she's had a lot of tragedy in her life, uh, you know. And I know she's gonna hit me on, uh, you know, certain areas. I, I don't know
1: what is what is your number one fault, Ethan? I don't think you have that many faults.
0: Well, I mean, it's funny, uh,
1: and, and that's you're kind of good on that. You know what I mean? You're I mean, in, I would say my in, age. You're in shape. You're white, uh, you know. I'm really, I really am untouchable. Y- 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 yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're not, you're not broke. You know, you're not, you're not, you're not, you're, you're not pathetic.
0: You know. I mean, I would say, and I think this is the key with at least in regards to roast battle. Uh, you know, you have to be very open and go, okay, these are my faults. They're going to hit me on, and I would say with me, just uh putting my head in her head i'd say maybe my age i mean i am one of the older comics on the scene so that probably will be addressed uh the fact that i've been doing comedy for so long and and to a degree i'm unknown uh you know that's you know that could be an angle of attack right uh, certain paths. but but as someone
1: who has roasted uh for a living pretty much uh for a couple years there um You don't have... Those aren't, like, the Haymaker ones. Like, you don't have any of the real big, easy Haymaker ones. I mean, I would say the only Haymaker one is possibly The Age. The Age. And you can come up with a couple really good ones. But... And I'm not going to say anything about her. But, you know, just... You know, and, 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 and You're Not Famous helps in that regard because your faults aren't as known to the rest of the world so it's it's, it's hard to roast people that are if you have to wikipedia people it, the easiest people to roast are the people that you hear their name and you think of three jokes immediately about them like a charlie Sheen, right or you know anybody just you just like you know betty white you, just, you hear somebody and you know okay oh blah blah, blah, blah. gene simmons cheap blah blah mm-hmm. blah blah, blah. You know, it's just whatever, Mike Tyson, you know, right. and whatever, Hulk Hogan, what, you know, it, but Earl Skaggle. Uh,
0: but in regards to Roast Battle, it, it's for the most part, it is unfamous comics roasting each other. So the, the playing field is level in that terms. Uh,
1: right. No, we're, I mean, we're, we're, we're just talking. No, I, I mean, like, that's one thing. Like when I like I'm really open about my faults, like I, I can't really care less. What? <laughs> like when people roast me, like I'm pretty, you know, I, I know my, you know. Pretty well-known. <laughs> my faults are... If you know me, you know my faults.
0: <laughs> no, absolutely. It's the same
1: with me. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you're an open dude. That's I mean, there's nothing really she can really like... Oh, you know, there's nothing... Oh, moments, you know.
0: I mean, you know, my, my love of the 80s, I'm sure, will be, a, you know... Uh, yes. Addressed. And, you know, she's got... Uh, but, you know, she's, in my opinion, at least with Roast Battle, is the best roaster. Uh, because she's only 20, and she owns her roasting faults like you know she's had some uh, that's
1: what you have to do and i'm not talking out of school here but you know like you know like you know Lampinelli quit um doing the roast for many reasons but one of them was she was like she's got tired of having people she barely knew rip on her on television for an hour and a half yeah i mean that's you really have to have a thick skin to do it you know. Oh, absolutely. You have to have a. I mean, even yourself has to have a thick skin to do it. I mean, being ro- agreeing to be roasted, you have to have a thick skin. That's why, like, you know, you know how many people that I've written pages of jokes, crushing some of my best jokes ever, and then the, the like three days before the show, they back out because it's like they it's like they'll finally show up on the set, they see some jokes, and then like realize, oh my god, I'm gonna get assassinated, and then oh. back out.
0: Well, and it's especially with with roast battle, it's... I'm I'm talking about the the roast. Right, but I mean, like, you know, roast battle, I think, is even harder because, you know, with Comedy Central Roast or, like, you getting roasted at the punchline... You've already achieved some level of fame that you're okay with yourself a little bit. But you get to take the jokes. Like, I could sit there and roast you for five minutes... And and you know you get to analyze. All right, Earl said I'm this. Earl said I'm that. But with roast battle, you have to have an, a reply instantly. Like there's no time to think. You know she might say, well, Earl's old and his balls are you know blah blah blah. And I have to come up with the line right there.
1: You well, know? no, well, you just you just roast back. You're not. You, but I mean, you don't like, reply to, her. What? Well, yeah, yeah, but yeah, but in this sense, though, you know, uh, you know, whatever you're. Your Betty White, your Hulk Hogan. I remember Hulk Hogan. We're like, because he came up to me because he was like, he came up to me and Jimmy Big Balls, and he goes, "I you hear the voice, like, oh, you brothers, you guys look like a bunch of wrestlers." And was like, "Oh my yeah. god!" Like I dropped dead. I go, "So, oh my god!" Hulk Hogan. And then afterwards, we're like, "Hey, Hulk," and he's like, "You guys are rough, man." But at least Hulk Hogan could go home and sit on his and fly home and sit on a stack of money in Tampa, Florida, right. and know that he's the beloved Hulk Hogan, you get some open micer who <laughs> moved to LA and has got, hasn't even, you know, had done one set at the improv yet, and he's, he's putting his all hopes and dreams into hopefully Earl will be nice to him Right, (laughs) And Jeff Ross says that was a good job. And then he just goes, he gets
0: destroyed. I mean, you know, there's like a suicide watch for half these kids, I would imagine, right? Well, I mean, last week, uh, I was telling you before we started, uh, you know, uh, the first battle was really good, you know, and it was a high pressure room that night because uh, you had the Sklar brothers uh, judging Court McCallum, judging Dave Chappelle sitting in. Uh, two very high-level execs from uh, Comedy Central in the front row. And then uh, the back row was uh, even more impressive. You know, Jason Reitman's there. Uh, yeah, Hannibal Burris is there. Uh, you, you know, uh, Tony Hinchcliffe is there. Who just, he's got a show on Netflix. Uh, and these, uh, the second row, these kids were so scared. I mean, they just looked over at Chappelle. And they didn't realize he was there yet. Yeah. And then Brian Moses is like, "Eh, let's go. And they both stumbled. They both were like sweating and and like they just like speaking like Sean Kemp at a reading fucking comprehension test. <laughs> and they bomb. Mushmouth. Uh, yeah. Who would have thought Mushmouth would be the least creepiest guy from Fat Albert? <laughs> hey, Ooh. hey hey
1: hey
0: hey 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 Fat Albert. Yeah, you know, it's, isn't that isn't that whole thing
1: just fucking bizarre? I
0: mean, it's it's like you know, I, I, you know. I mean, I was never like the hugest Cosby guy, but like, yeah, that's one thing. I never got
1: into Cosby. I like, I love Fat Albert when I was a kid, but his sitting around like he's everyone's grandpa or whatever, telling, sitting like I was a George Carlin, Richard Pryor guy. I, I I I don't work. I don't clean. Someone has to die if it's clean to make me laugh. Like I, I don't know, just telling stories about your childhood doesn't. I'm not going to be like.
0: F- freaking out over i mean i was yeah i was more of an archie bunker uh don rickles you know
1: oh archie bunker for sure we know what's on now is on one of the not bet but one of the black stations way down the dial is they play the jeffersons all the time now dude i it's like at four in the morning i always Tivo them or early jeffersons it's oh it's like, the uh... best And it, it, with the door guy get out of here <laughs> he slams the door in his face all right to me uh Norman Lear's the greatest uh, The greatest thing that ever happened in television. Well, that
0: uh, episode of All in the Family, I think from 74, where Sammy Davis visits Archie's home. Right. To me, that's the greatest nine minutes of sitcom uh, writing ever because it was just, especially for that time, uh, to cover basically racism the way they did. It was just like... Oh, yeah. You know, it, and I don't think people really appreciated Archie Bunker for really lampooning white people, like, you know? I
1: mean. No, most of, them, I mean, most of them just thought he was great. I think he's right. Yeah. No, wow, yeah. <laughs> like they, they didn't get the joke. I still kind of don't get the joke. Like, I mean, I didn't get the joke when I was a kid. That's for sure. I thought, like, you know, like the whole thing about how, like, Meathead was a meathead. Right. You know, like, yeah, what do you mean? You're against, you know, you're anti-American, you know, like, you know. Uh, you know, like, I, I just agreed with them. I, but I actually because All in the Family is a little bit before my time. Like it, like the first I the like it was always on the reruns. I watched at dinner time or always the best All in the Families. It was kind of like the the Jeffersons had already been the Jeffersons on regular TV by the right. time. And so the Jeffersons to me was my was just my favorite Willis. Yeah, what you <laughs> talking about Willis? They, you had the two the, the two different the two different. Uh, Mr. Bentley, yeah, um, Bet- well, Bentley was the guy on Sesame Street, the creepy guy. They would paint numbers
0: everywhere. Yeah, yeah. tell me, uh, that guy wasn't on an Amber Alert or too?
1: <laughs> he looks creepy today, but uh, it, what's, uh it, it's uh, you know, it's it's a very
0: progressive show though. Like they had their maid move in with them. Yeah, I mean it's, uh, and that was a crazy show because in the seventies to portray like uh, black uh, people that and successful. Like, you know, a typical black show from the 70s was like, you know. Different strokes. Uh, well, that was the 80s. It was old. But like. Sanford the, and Son. In the 70s, you, yeah. Two, you know, shady black dudes running a lumber yard. Uh, you know, uh, no, it was a good junk times. Junkyard. Right. But good, I mean.
1: good And good times was never. Good times was. was Here's how much I love good times. I used to have a dynamite T-shirt. Yeah. And I mean, the jean hat. I dude I love Jimmy Walker when I was growing up. There's a great Tavis Smiley with Jimmy Walker's on it. did you, you know, oh no, I haven't seen it. you should you anyone out there listening you should YouTube it. he t- it's Jimmy Walker Jimmy talker Jimmy Walker talks about how he used to pay like every comic at the comedy store to help him write. He was like supporting like Letterman I know all these guys right because he was so big at the time. but he said that his mom and dad on the show never spoke to him right. ever. That wasn't on the page. Cool. Never even said, like, good morning or Merry Christmas. It's that was smiling. It's like, oh, man, you're ruining my childhood.
0: <laughs> of course, that's the great John
1: Amos. Yeah, he's, uh, John Amos was, it'd kick your ass, I'll tell you that. But no, but I mean, that, but like, Good Times was never happy. Like, they'd be happy for like 10 minutes and then like, someone would lose their yeah. job or get
0: shot. Like, there was never even a happy episode. I mean that was probably a more realistic uh, version of uh, you know a lot of African American uh, families' lives back then versus like different strokes, which was like you know. Oh yeah,
1: well yeah, I mean well definitely there was more blacks living in the projects than living on <laughs> living with the yeah, Jefferson Park Avenue. <laughs> Or, uh, yeah, it's, it's like I mean, I mean, I mean, Arnold like hit the lottery, right? His parents died, and he got to move in with a white guy
0: and be rich. Yeah, well, that was not <laughs> very realistic, you know. And I think uh, you know most black shows of the seventies had you know like white writing staff, so it wasn't really an accurate portrayal of. Well, didn't
1: yeah? Because I uh, didn't. Uh, I I met a guy when I when I read, worked on Eddie Griffin's sitcom. I um I met a guy that worked on all uh, Sanford and Son. He was black. He was a reverend of course he was tax deductible you ever, you, if you want to find out if someone's a creep to see if they put reverend in front of their name yeah, yeah. then you know they're a crook reverend Bob Levy <laughs> just, just kidding Bob just kidding yeah. uh, but you know well, I, I hope Bob has enough money to use the reverend not to pay taxes well, I hope Bob's listening to the show I need the viewers <laughs> uh,
0: Bob Bob will be on episode 200 you know you're well, moving up well listen I, I, you know a lot of people ask me what's it take to be a guest on my show. Obviously like, nothing. Well, it takes a car and a working GPS system to get, <laughs> to get to my home. Uh it's not uh that's a secret lair. I don't give out where it's
1: at because of uh, how great it is.
0: Well, I you know it, it's and I lose a lot of interviews uh because I insist that they come to me and sit on my couch cuz I think it's a more uh you're in the lair. It's uh it's like the bat cave in here. Yeah, it's a talk show vibe, I hope. And uh, like I recently had, and I'll give this guy a shout out, uh, the great drummer from Alice Cooper, Ken Mary, one of the fantastic rock drummers of all time. I
1: feel so um,
0: inadequate on this couch. (laughs) But he said, dude, I'll I'll Skype with you for an hour, however long you want. I'm like, "Uh, I don't really do it on Skype. He's like, well, I live in Arizona. I'm like, well, tell you what, let's save it next time you're in West Hollywood. Oh, there you, know. you go. And he was like, yeah, no problem. So, no, I really am. Uh, it's, uh, it's an honor to be here. Well, dude, you're one of my best friends. and uh, I, I, wish we, I wish we'd hang out more. I, you know, that's the sad thing about comedy is like you and I are best buds, but, you know, we run, I guess you'd say, in different uh, comedy circuits. And, you know, you just, you know... Yeah, I mean, if I lived in West Hollywood, I would definitely hang out more. I just I,
1: I live in Pasadena, so it's like an hour away. It's like whatever. But you're, you know, you're in with the Burr and uh, you know, Tell. Uh, you know, no, no, I me and I mean, I I love Dave, but I'm I don't I'm not in with Dave anymore. But you used to open for him, and and uh, yeah, yeah. you know now you go out with Burr, and yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm in Burr's, uh, I'm in Burr's circle, That's his the, inner the, circle. The, the, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely, I'm definitely that. But you know, we don't hang out that much when we're not working together, right? Uh, because he's really busy, and he's a very, um, like he flies helicopters, he plays drums, he does more. His hobbies are more impressive than my career, right? Well. <laughs> why he's the top
0: of the food chain? right
1: no but you know what i mean like he's always there you know, but if there's a big game or something we'll, we'll hang out or we'll go to a, we'll go to a king's we actually saw the kings win the stanley cup live together that's
0: which was a big th- which one the first or second? yeah the first one well that was like uh you know it, it's it's so weird to me to see the kings be the best sports team in the in la right now but they still don't they still haven't quite cracked the media yet. I, I, I think ESPN
1: just has the media. It's like they just don't want to give hockey. It's ESPN is just so dastardly about hockey. Yeah, I mean, I don't uh,
0: understand it. I mean,
1: if, if, if more blacks played hockey, they would be more into it. Uh, I really think that that's like half of the half of it because they just can't make it like they, they just they, they, they have to kind of be like
0: it's not cool because you know there's not enough black people that play it but there are like that's the funny thing it's like pk suban is, is probably you know maybe outside of drew dowdy one of if not the best defensemen in the league and uh, you know, Jerome Aginla's still.
1: Oh, is amazing. No, they have some we there there's some great black hockey But I mean, the Duke, uh the young kid in Arizona is great. Uh yeah. uh drop dead hall of famer. You have uh you, you you have um Bufflin, probably my favorite guy in the league that isn't named Evgeny Malkin. Oh, do is a good defense? Oh, uh, do you Trevor Daly. He's good. But, yeah. but, but 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 you know what they have though? And the one they but they're not the gangster. Uh, You know, the gangster kind of like, you know, rapper kind of criminal, the criminal element that they that they that they that they that 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 ESPN that they like, you know, they like having around to talk about. They pretend like they don't like it, but they like it is not in talking. The only guy that's kind of like a punk is uh, is Evander Kane and Bufflin, uh, the black dude's like, no. Uh, we're not like that here in Winnipeg and get out.
0: Well, that was the funnest thing to me is when uh, they the Winnipeg Jets were the Atlanta Thrashers and they probably wouldn't admit to this, but I, I think it was done halfway for marketing is they went out and got like seven black players to, to play in Atlanta, uh, you know, and then the team got moved to Winnipeg, where there's probably not seven black people. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've been to Winnipeg; it is uh, whitest. It's it's, it's white. No, oh, it's white. The snow, the people, yeah, the, the, the drugs. Uh Yeah.
1: <laughs> no, but I mean, no, but literally, like Evander Kane is the only, you know, like Seth Jones' dad's Popeye Jones, NBA guy, but Seth Jones is is is, is uh, totally has the hockey, the Canadian, the. Yes, sir. No, sir. We ride the bus. We're all a team. None of that like NBA ghetto. Boy, yeah. I mean, even PK Subban, flashy dresser. You know, bigger than life. But what does he do? He gives ten million dollars to a hospital and couldn't be any more respectful of the game. Yeah, you you know what I mean. Like the the NHL does not have that gangster element in it whatsoever. Boy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, you've got. Uh... And ESPN lives for that because they like having a little police blotter action because it, it sells right. Ra- I mean, basically ESPN, you watch it in a day. It's for unemployed people and people in jail. Or uh, it's like-, like BET. ESPN's like BET. Even, even even party interruption. I stopped watching it because uh, what's his name? The white guy is so pro-black it's it's like disgusting it's like and i'm 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 not i'm just even i just can't have everything be race everything can't be will bonds more more sense of reason than that sort of thing actually
0: yeah i'm not you know i just want the i, I don't really care about the race stuff i, I just if i'm watching a, a sports show like that i i just want like sports news i don't care about like you know, the police blotter, but I, you know. Right,
1: this- but that's exactly, That's it. I liked ESPN when it was highlights. Just show me yeah. the high. I don't want guys sitting around talking. I want to watch, high-
0: ESPN was the best when they would just show college basketball all day long. We live in a TMZ world where it's like, let's talk about, you, you know Kobe's rape uh, the Kings just won the Stanley Cup well let's talk about Kobe and uh I don't know his divorce with Vanessa or you know he's I think he's still with her right yeah yeah she, I mean I don't know what she's got on him but his his balls done or squeezed to the limit yeah maybe you know he wants to be with his kids
1: and she's not not bad looking
0: well, yeah, but in California, divorce can get naughty you know half you know half the yeah. real deal believe me, my wife's waiting for a bigger half
1: right right now she's not winning much <laughs> It's like her first day earnings
0: on Jeopardy aren't yeah. enough. she wants to give her a round two. <laughs> so it's uh you know you know, and hockey's like they're they're taking the violence out of it, so it it's that I think that's another reason why it's not quite you know you look at that hit uh Antonio Brown got from uh perfect you know. Yeah. Crazy. That was a, that was a Matt Cook hit. Yeah, but it and you know, but Perfect would stay in the game after that in hockey. They would have, you know, suspended the guy 20 games. Well, that's what I don't say about hockey.
1: Like they're they're kind of like um it's kind of like okay, if you're not going if you you're, you're going to have your goalies be 6 foot 8 and wear too much equipment and then and then you're going to bring back the trap and clutching and grabbing if no one's going to score then you better let them fight and hit because at uh, 200 bucks for ringside seats uh there's not that much entertainment if you don't have any of them either let them score or let them fight but I mean, you can't have neither it's not the ice capades oh
0: i agree, <laughs> I agree. <laughs> you know what i mean you got to have something I mean there was a, Rangers played the Islanders the other night and I, I remember even as little as 5 years ago you'd get so excited because you knew it would just be skirmishes after oh, yeah. the whistle and you know Bolton would fight you know Mike Rupp and then you know you'd have Matt Carkner fight you know an, another Ranger guy and and it was just the energy and now it was, it's like watching a practice game like,
1: well, well yeah I mean Flyers Pittsburgh last night the only thing that really—I mean, crosbys guy got, got a cross-checking penalty, and then Giroud did the old "Hey, my oh, I got tangled up," and he so cheap-ass tripped uh, Kunitz. It was such bullshit. I—I I, just—I—I I, want to see. If, if I ever saw literally if I saw Giroud in an airplane, I would or in an airport, I'd—I'd I'd fucking attack him. I hate <laughs> Giroud. Like I—I I can't stand him. I, I really can't. I, I that's my blood boiling. But yeah, there's no, there's none of the. But even even Penguins Flyers, there wasn't anything going on. Yeah, I mean it just. And that is, I mean, that is hatred.
0: Yeah, I mean, in the old days, you'd see Tocket and Jake Caulfield, and then you'd have, you know, old Samuelson and you know cheap shot a flyer, and then that get the game going. And oh, dude, and, just and, just every single one up until like a year ago i mean
1: uh the famous talbot yeah fight let's fight you kick my ass he goes Shh.
0: <laughs> i mean it's just like not that you want dude i,
1: I mean i mean darian hatcher took out all of crosby's teeth his first game ever against the flyers and then crosby then crosby stayed in the game and the penguins won and that's why he is so
0: hated in philly i mean you know you don't want jungle hockey i mean like you know I remember You mean you mean the Donald Brashier hockey? Oh that's the, <laughs> the wrong jungle. Uh, <laughs> But I mean, like, I, as a, you know, when I first started watching hockey, 12, 13 years old, you had the Quebec Nordiques in Montreal, and those games would take five hours to finish because it would just, you'd have John Cordick fighting Gord Donnelly, and then the next whistle would be, the you know, one of the Rope brothers fighting Tony Twist, and then the next whistle would be Van Dorp against uh, Chris Nyland. And-
1: well, everybody had. You didn't you weren't considered like
0: you actually played if, in the league if you didn't have 100 penalty minutes a year. Yeah, I mean uh and this is when I was uh as you can see I have a lot of VHS fight tapes. And <laughs> uh, there was this one uh, Are they
1: the homemade kind
0: like you just watched the fight, you watched the game and then whittled it down or It's amazing. Uh, there used to be a whole network of uh you know dark web hockey <laughs> fight collectors sure uh, yeah, yeah traders and uh they're perfectly edited you know they show you the build-up to the fight they show you the fight and then they show you the aftermath and then it goes right to the next and uh I, think- I
1: love that i i love that i mean that's not the fight not the fight per se this the enjoyment it's the build-up it's the what was the cross check to the head right.
0: that led up to this like the- i was uh Watch one last night from a sa- old say, and I love the Sabres announcer. Rick oh,
1: the, Genere- oh, Rick, the, Rick, G- G- Rick
0: Genere- G- Yes, and he would just—he's a great storyteller. And there was this one game where uh, uh, Gino Ogic ran uh, Dominic Hasek in the corner. So <laughs> it starts off with that. Speaking of steroid abuse, <laughs> Mike, Mike,
1: Mike Webster has nothing on Geno. He fought half. He played almost every game with his shirt off.
0: Yeah, he was a big uh well Oliwa was another guy he was a fucking monster. Oh,
1: Oliwa Oli was a, I I yeah, I was uh my uh
0: face not my Facebook friend, but LinkedIn. I was so honored. Well I used to, I my biggest honor is being the celebrity endorser for his clothing line, KO Gear. Oh yes. And uh I I you know i what happened? Ice, only what fell apart on the ice. You know, he he came to the Rangers and he got wild with them and No, then, he was he came in he, in as a devil. No, he he was started as a devil, uh went to I think Columbus, Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, Columbus, Calgary. He was with the Rangers for a bit. Uh you know, and then he he did this clothing line KO gear and I got to call him a few times talk to him. And Because he knew I wore jerseys at yeah. the time. And uh, he was trying to do like this FUBU style clothing line. And I'm like, dude, you're like the whitest guy on earth from Poland. Yeah. No one's going to be like you making FUBU shit. And, he, you know, he disagreed with me and... Of course, the clothing line went out of business pretty fast, but I still have my Ko Gear shirts. Yeah, well, every, you know, well, George Paris, the violent gentleman. Yeah, but that does well because he markets it to. Uh, well, George went to Princeton, so like he. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And George play. And George Paris was the stash. He won a cup.
0: Although, only did only we get a cup in Jersey. He no. He might have. I know he played in the two thousand four finals when uh, Calgary lost to Tampa Bay um he, he dressed did he dress oh him? he played a lot it was okay his, i don't right. remember him in that series that was like the last bastion of the goon season because i think oh three oh four well the cavalier and and again the danced yeah maybe, maybe the last
1: captain on captain finals dance you'll ever see
0: but you had like uh oliwa i think he had like 32 fighting majors that year and uh you know uh, chris simon was on the flames and then on tampa you had the the dinger chris dingman 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 was great and I, that's a
1: never like simon i never like simon i always liked his simon simon did the really you know well you know simon drove, simon's dropping got suspended for dropping n-bombs yeah i think he called mike greer uh the dirty word yeah and, uh, and greer is nothing but a, nothing but a class act well i like, <laughs> you know, it's, like it's like him and joe ward like the last two guys to drop n-bombs too. you know you know, call you want to drop an n-bomb
0: call it the donald get sandy mccarthy <laughs> you know well, one I mean? guy did call brashear the n-word in uh the quebec league and uh he, uh, got his head pounded against the ice about five times <laughs> that's a great
1: thing about this someone just threw a banana in the international play this week went well, oh jeez over in uh, it was in, in the Italian whatever the Italian league is called well someone
0: did that to Wayne Simmons in Montreal he was on a penalty shot and they <laughs> threw a banana it's crazy I mean it's it's crazy and, and you know it, the best N-word story in regards to hot it's an awful story but uh is when uh, I think P.K. Subban scored a goal against the Bruins in overtime, won a game, and of course all the Boston fans took to Twitter and said, I can't believe we yeah. got beat by a... yeah." And what they didn't realize was his brother, Malcolm Subban, plays for Boston. Right. You ever see
1: Malcolm Subban play? It's like he still plays for Montreal. He got lit up one time so bad they they they, they threw Tuka Raskin injured yeah, <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> no. I saw I saw Subban's first game. He 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 stopped like nothing. It, it like he was down like four nothing in the first in the first period.
0: Well, he had that old school hockey helmet. It looked like a KKK hood. It was like just all white, just huge. White. There was no graphics on it. Well, when Larocque played for the Penguins, I think him and Max Talbot were doing
1: a joke on people. Uh, I, I think it was Max Talbot where they planted a, a banana in his locker Oh Jesus. and then they said they, and he goes uh, who planted this oh i'm i'm going to the press like the rocks like who planted this i'm going to the press you know uh i'm going to the press and uh you know i'll bring down this organization someone speak up and everyone's like oh, what? you know everyone's like holy shit and then Talbot's like I did you dumb end bomb you know <laughs> and then and then so then the rock runs over and like punt, like fading, and right. then, then they go ah just kidding They're like <laughs> April Fool's Day <laughs> well
0: if I was gonna call anyone the n-word I, I tell you who I wouldn't call and that's George the rock
1: the rock let people hit him just because he felt bad for him that's how much of a beast he
0: was you know his problem was he didn't like fighting. He was just good. He was <laughs> well, the yeah, best at it.
1: Yeah, he came to the Penguins and thought he was going to skate on the second line. Like, no, not, no George, you're a-
0: But he was just too nice. It's like, you know... He
1: would say good luck before he beat people yeah, up. Yeah, <laughs> That famous
0: uh, clip with Redis Re- Re- Evenons. Yes. With the Kings. and uh, <laughs> they were. I think George was miked up and uh, he skates up to Evenons uh, before the draw and goes, uh, want to go, man? Square up? Okay, good luck, and then he beats the shit out. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, who was that? Who was the goon? Uh, one of the greatest goons of all time was a San Jose Shark for a couple. For Jeff Rogers? Oh, no, Jeff Rogers. is. Link Gates. Yes, he was like a drug addict and a and a. Uh,
0: he and was just, like the hockey version of Gary Busey. Yeah, and, but he but he beat ass though. He, his problem was like Busey. He got in a motorcycle accident, lost like thirty percent of his motor skills. So he was just—he was a good player. Odgers uh, was the Odgers. I never was met, a bleeder. He was. A I bleeder. never met him, but
1: I, having Jeff Odgers as your captain is a, was was. I thought a, a disgrace. <laughs> like I, I I I've never been for the guys. Um, you know, when the Penguins employed uh, uh, back, especially between the Malkin, between Yager and then the lottery. Let's say between Yager, we employed like the Jeff Bukabergs. Bergs. Buka boom. Well, boot. Bo- I'm sorry, not no, Kelly Buchberger, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, would always go out there and lose. I, I, I never understood, you know, I, I don't give you credit for losing. I, dr- going even is cool, but losing I don't think helps anybody.
0: Well, getting back to Gates for a second, you know, so, you know, I, I collect jerseys. Yes. You know, I used to, and somehow someone told him about me. So I get a phone call from his mom one day, Uh, Link Gates' mom. Uh And uh, she's like, are you the guy who collects my son's jerseys? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm a big fan, Mrs. Gates. You know, he's great. I I love him. She's She's like, hold on a second. And she hands over the phone to Link. And he was awesome. And he was like, you could tell he was a little punch drunk and a little slow. And he's like, I got a bunch of, I got a box of jerseys for you, man. I'm like, I'll pay you for them, man. You know, you're a popular player that, you know, his jerseys get the most because he's he's like a legend. I know. I mean, I I know who he is. Yeah. I mean, he's. I I know I'm a hockey
1: fanatic, but I mean, like, you know.
0: But he's, well, because he's weird because he played on like literally 27 different teams in his career. Uh, (laughs) And uh, his jerseys in the jersey collecting world never come up which is crazy because he played on so many teams. So the ones that do are very valuable. Uh, and uh, he's like, oh, just give me your address. I'll send him to you. I'm like, oh, I'll pay you for him. He's like, no, no, I'll just send him to you. And, of course, he never did. But his mom gets back on the phone and she's like, Earl, you know, I love my son and he's just misunderstood. He's had a rough childhood and, uh, you know, he's, he's not the animal he's portrayed to be. And, uh, of course, the next day he got kicked off the team. He was playing on... Because he got into a bar fight with the owner, <laughs> and, uh, I just thought that was funny. Because he was, uh, you know, you talk about what could have been. He could have been the next Probert.
1: You know, who, but, uh, you know. Speaking of Probert, you know what the greatest, the greatest penguin fighting memory ever, is, uh, ever? Oh, Probert and McSorley. You would think Probert Tamer. Oh, that's right. Tamer, Tamer beat him. Dude. Tamer beat him. He went lefty. <laughs> he the, Probert with the great line: "You feel lucky, punk."
0: Yeah and then Tamer dropped them. Well, you know, he he dropped them. Yeah, everyone the gunslingers always, you know, you will lose eventually. Yeah, no, no, but that was uh,
1: the, the McSurley fight was just we finally had someone that we had someone to fight Probert. Had, I mean, everyone else would run.
0: But I think the thing about the best thing about Probert certainly in his prime was when you beat him, he always got you in the rematch. <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, he was Yeah, uh, you made have beat him when he was a little bit chuked up or something <laughs> yeah <laughs> but well that's the thing that sucked about fighting Probert was if you beat him the few that beat him is you knew you would have to fight Joey Koser next because Joey was like alright you beat my friend now you gotta beat me right and so you had to literally face the two toughest guys in the league and if you you almost didn't want to beat Probert because you knew you'd have to fight Koser in his right hand look like it had been through a meat grinder. oh he was just nasty well, he just he didn't care, and like so he would swing it. If you had a helmet with a visor on, he wouldn't care. Uh, I mean, did uh, Co- Kosher bra- play in the visor era? <laughs> uh, toward the tail end, but you know he would. I guess hit- he was when uh, when he was a Ranger. He was in like I think he fought. Uh, well, I don't think Brad Delgarno of the Islanders had a, a shield on, but he hit his helmet so hard he cracked it and he broke his orbital bone. So that's how hard this guy hit. So, you know, you imagine having yeah. to fight Probert, who's the scariest guy in the league. And then if you did beat him, you either had to fight Probert in a rematch that game or you had to fight Kosher. And so it was just a different... Uh, but this was at a time when, you know, in the 80s where literally every team in the league had three tough guys. At least. Yeah, I mean, I was talking about the Quebec Nordiques. There's probably one of my favorite fight tapes... Is and this goes shows how uh, into this uh, tape trading some people got is people would start going to training camps and just filming the training
1: camp camps.
0: <laughs> and there's a tape exclusively from 1989 of the Quebec Nordiques training camp when you had I think it was I might get some of the names wrong but you had Wayne Van Dorp, Darren Campbell, both Roberge brothers. Uh Tony Twist, uh, Ken McRae, Basil McRae's brother, and like two or three other uh, minor league, uh, Greg Smith. Uh, you know, in in a, uh, I think two or three other. You know, pretty Basil old- could throw him himself back in the day. Oh, absolutely! But here you, you had. I never even heard
1: of Basil McRae's
0: brother, That's Ken like, McRae. I
1: he, never even heard of played him. Played
0: on the Kings for a little bit, but you had.
1: Literally, oh um, maybe I didn't put two and two together. I, I kind of now Ken
0: but you had ten legit heavyweight fighters in one camp. Yeah, and they had to stop the camp. They were like, "Guys, you we're not getting anything done." Well, when Shiro was a, the
1: Penguin GM, the first one of the first couple of years in the Crosby era, when Shiro told everyone in to camp, no, "No more fighting," because same thing, they couldn't get anything done. Because that's when, because Shiro, you know, he was. He, he knew how to start. He knew how to gain respect in the league. And that's get A bunch of goons
0: back at that in, time. Back yeah. In,
1: yeah. So and then everyone went, everyone had, everyone had a shot to make the team. <laughs>
0: so everyone's fighting. Yeah. I mean, you look at when the Kings got Gretzky, their, their first moves were, I mean, first of all, uh, a deal breaker was we get McSorley with Gretzky or we don't do the deal. Well, you have to get McSorley with Gretzky. But I don't think a lot of people know that. It was like, oh, wow. And then uh, I think their first trades. Will Gretzky even accept a move without McSorley? (laughs) No. (laughs) And then I think the first trade the Kings made like two days later whenever it was getting Jay Miller from Boston. So, you know, that first year of the Kings, you look at what Gretzky surrounded himself with, you had – Uh, McSorley, uh, Jay Miller, uh, Dean Kennedy, Jay Wells, and Ken Baumgartner. So, you had literally a quarter of your roster fighters to protect Gretzky and the skill players. Well, I remember when Lemieux came back. Uh,
1: I I, I remember one like Lemieux came when Lemieux came back the one time, they they just kind of just had like one or two tougher guys. And then literally, like, he got pushed around in one game. And then I think that's how we got Olawa. Like, literally, like, Shiro, or I guess it was Craig Patrick at the time, went out and got like Olawa, brought back Kevin Stevens out of retirement, probably got like four goons. And then, literally, like, a week later, like, Lemieux got cross-checked, and it was like before they would throw you out for 10 games where, like, everyone just came over the wall.
0: <laughs> like, yeah. it,
1: you know, they, nowadays, you like, you know, that, that happened to uh, what I always think he would. Um, he was an, he was a Calgary guy that came to Pittsburgh. He actually beat Larocque once, I think, in a fight. He, he won the cup with us in 2009. Calgary guy came to Pittsburgh. I'm thinking. Uh, Big time goon. In the uh, Brawl on Long Island, he got Goddard. Uh, Goddard, yeah, he got tossed out for 10 because he, he, he came he, out the bench in the Islander game. Yeah, he came off the bench in the Brawl. Uh, I,
0: I, I, I'm the Brawl on Long Island. Mike, uh, Mike Haley of the Islanders. Uh, ran, I I who I forget the goalie wasn't uh, who uh, no uh, he, white what, guy yeah. who was the goalie white not, not back up to flurry yeah it was Brent um, Johnson or something yeah Brent Johnson uh, and then uh, of course Goddard had come off the bench and then Trevor Gillies of the Islanders and, yeah uh, uh, he beat the he beat the one kid to death it's a different era I mean what, last
1: night well what, kid- what, what wait, 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 people don't really know about that game everyone wants to paint it as. Like oh yeah, Pittsburgh just got you know sideswiped, or, or Pittsburgh wasn't prepared. What really happened in that game was that the the Islanders made a couple call ups. that got Haley up, and they got Gillies up for that game. But what really happened was Rupp and another big guy of ours, like a fighter fighter. Got tossed in the first the first period, so and then all the real stuff happened in the third. You know what I mean? They weren't around, it, it, like it, like the refs just threw them out in the first period, and they weren't around for the end. But w- that's all because DiPietro's D, D, D glass draw got knocked out.
0: But I, it was that, before. and I think and it Fleury was. Flurry was laughing
1: at it, and they wanted to fight Flurry, but thank God Flurry was on the bench.
0: But I think the the precursor to that particular game was the the game before in long island i think it was uh max talbot had some would say cheap shot at Okaposo uh and gave him a concussion and so who was it uh, that the brawl game in pittsburgh matt martin jumped talbot and uh, then it just <laughs> disintegrated <laughs> to just n- to complete insanity
1: yeah the dph are just getting just got so uh,
0: uh, but, you know that was, that's probably like the last great uh brawl of the modern era because it was just like
1: I mean either, well either that or the Edmund the Vancouver Calgary uh, with Tortorella trying to get
0: into the locker room yeah that brawl was whatever happened first or whatever happened uh, that might have happened last the Tortorella because that was like last season yeah that was like two years ago but,
1: no no is that the or. And the other one the other one has happened since is uh when uh, oh the uh when the, the 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 New
0: Jersey Rangers playoff game when they all lined up Of course Tortorella was involved in that too. You know for a guy who was so anti-fighting he sure did cause uh a lot of uh brawls.
1: Yeah, Tortorella to me is a fake tough guy. But I he runs like- his yap and then the thing when push comes to shove
0: But that was a great. If you can YouTube uh, Rangers Devils playoff brawl opening face off, any combination of those words, you know, it was like a wrestling storyline because I think it was. uh, EJ McGuire or PJ, what is it? EJ or P uh, McGuire, the guy on TV, the, the coach. Uh, now he does the commentary in between the penalty boxes. Is it? Oh, Pierre McGuire, right? That's uh, EJ McGuire's. Uh, I know because I usually say, Fuck you, Pierre, all oh, game like long, the worst coach ever, and worst he, announcer ever, but uh. He, he said he did give it a nice pro wrestling build up. He's like, well, we've got uh, Bolton and Jansen out there and and Rupp and uh, we're going to have trouble. I hope we got enough cameras. And he just like Tony Schiavone style. Just, <laughs> and then uh, right at the last second, I forget who was taking the draw. Uh, they backed out for the Rangers and then Bickle. The defenseman came in, and uh, McGuire's like, "Well, you know, this is the first time Pickles uh, taken a draw since Pee Wee, and just uh, here we go, boys!" And then it was just the best build-up. Uh, the crowd's going nuts, and the camera work—you know—they did a shot on Tortorella, and he's talking shit to DeBoer's. Uh, oh yeah, and uh, <laughs> this is craziness. That's why I love having
1: uh, I love having talking on our bench now. Yeah. So uh, at Twitter, okay, Tortorella. Yeah. you don't know, want to dance with big Rick <laughs> Dickie talk uh I got one I go I got one great story uh, the greatest the, the, my greatest comedy night ever was I got to I got the headline the Mary Lemieux cancer benefit and uh so in the room literally me and uh uh, uh the the Bill Crawford uh, Pittsburgh comic, great guy, does the radio with with Randy, Randy and Bill in the Morning TV. Anyway, long story short, we counted forty two Stanley Cops in the room. That's crazy. That and that's not like assistant to the GM. You know, that's like Trottier was six, <laughs> Joey Mullen. You know, Airy. Anyway, so had a great set. Lemieux came over. It was awesome. He he loved me. I think my claim to fame is I'm Lemieux's favorite comic, but that. I, I, this is going to be on my gravestone. Mario thought I was funny. But um, we were sitting around. So I got to hang out with Gary Roberts for like an hour. Gary Roberts, Trachier and Mark Recky oh, telling wow. stories. And I and, I, and I, I go, Gary, you know, my favorite Gary Roberts moment ever was whenever Eager came off the bench and cheap-shotted LaRocque when he was down. Right. <laughs> and then Roberts skated over and was like, you want to fight? a hey, hey, kid. When you fight someone standing up and then Roberts kicked the shit out of him yeah. to the point. This is how great the rivalry was. Pittsburgh Philly was he. The, Philly was so embarrassed by the, that fight. They traded him to, to the Chicago like the next week. Ended up the kid won the first one. Ben yeah. Eager won the ring. With Chicago, and he did, yeah, and then Gary Roberts called Eager's agent and said, "I want, his, I want his ring because it wasn't for me kicking his ass. He'd have never even been stumbling on the Flyers."
0: Because Roberts at that point was—he's was like forty-two years old, a little older, and he, I know he had a real bad neck injury, oh, yeah. so he didn't—he didn't, he didn't want to fight anymore.
1: No, uh, he didn't very no, it was scary Gary. I mean, no one was no steel one messed city with, Gary.
0: But. Yeah, nobody
1: messed with Gary
0: back around after that. I mean, before that, but yeah. Well, Joe, this is the part where the tape is about to run out. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I no, dude, that. we're at almost two hours, dude. This is, <laughs> and it seemed like 20 minutes, and hopefully, Oh, you, I hope so. I and I, we talked an hour before the fucking podcast. So. I, I think, I think, I think we were funny before the podcast. Yeah. Well, I don't think we could have aired what we were talking <laughs> about. <laughs> I mean, I, I may uh, maybe on certain, maybe in certain southern cities, we could have done. No, just just <laughs> kidding. Just Big kidding. in Birmingham. But you have a, a huge podcast that I was just lucky enough to do called Puck Oh, Off.
1: please. You're our official goon goon expert and just our favorite. If we still did it at Sideshow, I, I would have you on more, but we hate to make you come out to... The- we had to invade your home. You're always welcome to come to my place and do it, though, please. But where can people find Puck
0: Off? Oh, with, with P- the legendary icon of LA radio. And I don't think people understand how big Frazier used to be. And he's getting back there. But like when I was a kid, uh, KLOS, KMET, I mean, Frazier was like the Howard Stern of LA radio. I mean, he was. Massive. Uh and then still is. I mean, you say the name Frazier Smith, everybody knows. It who
1: he really is. it really is an honor to work with Frazier. But it's called Puck Off. Uh, we're now on the Blog Talk Radio Network, but iTunes and Stitcher. We're not on SoundCloud anymore.
0: But you possibly uh, will get back on there if I understood you guys correctly. Uh
1: yeah, I think business wise, I think it's it's not it's not sound
0: business to be on SoundCloud right now. Oh, don't say that because that's where I get most of my viewers. Uh SoundCloud on iTunes.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, uh for us, uh
0: iTunes, if you're if you're not an iTunes person, uh then Stitcher, please. Yeah, it's puck off with uh, Joe Bartnick and Fraser Smith. Where can people find you on Twitter? At Joe Bartnick, B A R T N I C K K. And also I have a little fun
1: podcast me and Court McCowan do uh called Insensitivity Training. So well- which I've done. It was very fun. You, your episode was the funnest episode ever. Well, you know, I'm like, I, and I am not just saying that because you're here. You have some.
0: I'm sure you've told after 100 episodes. I'm sure they 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 the stories. Or, I mean, yeah, the stories. So, you know, I've, for a guy who's never done drugs or, or drank, I've led an interesting life. <laughs> for you, you have some of the funnest. I mean, you were just killing us. It was really
1: that's that's probably that's definitely one of the in the top. If, if not the best, the definitely top two or three we've ever had for sure. Well, I mean, I, I just, uh, you know, I, I, we, we, we actually stopped doing guests because after you, we had some famous people and they sucked. And it's like, and I'm like, you know, unless I'm really because the best ones are you and you know, you know, you know, Louis Katz. I don't. Oh, he's a friend of mine from way, he's killing it in New York now. But it's like, unless you're really good friends of ours, like Randy's easy, is always good. Unless you're really good friends of ours.
0: we don't want to do an interview show. I just want to talk shit. Well, I mean I've never from day one planned one question uh as you can tell show. by this episode. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's like two guys at a ball game. Yeah. Uh which is uh what hopefully people uh, enjoy and uh y- you know, I-, I try and you know, I mean I-, I don't know how popular my podcast is, but I-, I think it's it's getting some recognition. So hopefully I expose guys like you and and uh, other great uh comics that I like
1: thank you it's been an honor
0: and i I'm sorry if it wasn't punchline punchline like but I don't trying want to be that. funny okay I don't want that uh you know I I take my some kids. people do though so
1: um, I, like, well like I treat puck off like radio in a sense I want it to be good every time oh so do I
0: you know and I'm uh you know what I love about doing this podcast is I only talk to people I want to talk to yeah there hasn't been one person on this couch that i was like oh, i don't really want to talk to this person but you know so that's uh you know a great we did i i, I didn't we only did one puck off i didn't like
1: it was the third episode
0: well you know how many the
1: third episode i then i and i realized like uh if, if i don't like you as a person i'm not gonna like you as a guest
0: Oh, yeah. That's I not... won't
1: name any names, but he got he got off the hook much like Patrick Kane. Right.
0: Well, he's back in the news again. <laughs> what happened? Did Patrick uh, Kane? I think did... there's some, I, uh, AOL had something on uh, possibly new allegations. Oh, so, my so, God. That would, mean, just, that would just that throw in the... Seems like we have a Bill Cosby running around. Uh, <laughs> by the way, are Bill Cosby... Are his skin tags like the children on Freddy Krueger's chest? Yeah. <laughs> You know, one for each victim. You know what? What skin tags? He's got like those skin tags on his face. Like, oh, he's old. I know, but like, if you look at him from like five years ago, he didn't have one mark on his face. Now he's got like those things Freddy Krueger had on his chest. You know, I knew I should have ended two minutes. Ago. <laughs> well you can. That's the beauty of editing. Uh,
1: no, I don't edit anything. Ah, just, I'm just kidding. oh yeah, no, I don't I'm sorry I didn't go with you. I didn't know what what are I didn't know Skin, skin Tags
0: t- are like those things old people get, like they're like almost like freckles. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, he looks he looks old.
1: He's, but, he's he, he looks so bad he's actually safe now in prison. Yeah. <laughs> like
0: he doesn't even have to be funny. Is he in prison? Did they pay he his bail? He should be, but uh you Did know. they pay his bail? Well, I mean, one, two girls—you could say maybe they were lying—but when it's like fifty-two, it's yeah, like, they're probably not. Well, all it's lying. funny
1: because now, now he's like the black. You know, like I always thought Woody Allen was the Jew's OJ, right? Uh, and now, and now, <laughs> and now, like now blacks have OJ and Bill Cosby to pretend mm. like. Look
0: out! <laughs> uh, this is a sound effect Howard Stern would always play when he would—I don't know—he would just do a random. They
1: would do Gary Garber's show. Remember Gary Garver, the star and producer? He had his own like, talk show yeah. for a while. I
0: He asked me to, but I after I bombed at his show, The Oyster House in the Valley, I'm like, I don't need to do a podcast with you. I'm good. Oh,
1: really? I did his show. And to me, he had the funniest thing ever on he was when he asked OJ on the golf course, do you keep your kitchen knives open just in case your wife dates again?
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's Gary Garver always asking the questions that people want to know. Yeah. But guys... Follow at did episode 100 and 101 today. Episode 100. It's going to be a big one. Uh, at Joe Bartnick on Twitter. Let me spell that for you guys. Uh, it's the A with a circle. J-O-E-B-A-R-T. I-C-K. Right. I thought I'd get you in on that one. Uh, oh,
1: hey. And I want to thank you for the uh, when you do the prestigious Earl Earl. Skagle podcast he gives you a kamala speaks book autographed by the great autographed by the, by the great man himself and i you talking about this is why i'm nowhere in this business because i instead of doing anything productive i will spend the next waking hours of my life reading this <laughs> like like it's like, like it's the like it's the quran
0: well i haven't <laughs> i haven't done this in a while but i'm telling you uh for you guys who are pro wrestling fans go to uh and I, this is not a sponsor this is just someone I'm trying to help out because he gets 100% of the proceeds uh, Kamalaspeaks.com and if you like pro wrestling, it is uh, probably the best wrestling biography I've ever read. He, you know because this guy you know to be a black wrestler in the late 70s early 80s was let's just say this was not an easy task and uh, he well was- he's from the territory era. Yeah, that's that's what.
1: If you're not from the territory era, your stories don't really interest me. I'm old enough to
0: remember that era, but you know, in the each territory, they really and, and you you hear this in this book. They only had, they would only want one black wrestler. So, uh, you know, you were basically the uncle Tom of whatever territory you were in. So I remember when Rocky, I used to love Rocky Johnson, the rocks dad and
1: I'd love Tony Alice. Yeah. And when they became the two, the tag team champs, it was like, I mean, it was like Obama becoming president as far as I was concerned. It was like then. Yeah. It was
0: huge, you know? And then, uh, you had uh, bad news Brown and there's a great story in there. I won't spoil it for you, but uh, let's just say bad news Brown and Andre the giant had problems with each other due to, uh, Andre the giant, uh, calling bad news Brown, a particular word. And, uh, Believe me, if you're an Andre the Giant fan, you're not gonna like Kamala speaks. Uh, oh,
1: really? He? Oh, well, he, he shits he, on Andre the Giant.
0: Well, he uh, Andre. Let's just say Andre had some interesting uh, views on certain elements of society, <laughs> and uh, was not afraid of uh, saying those said. Why do you
1: think he would be? Why would Andre be? That's what they always say. If, if wrestling was real, no one would ever beat Andre.
0: Well, they you know, it's funny. K- Kamala had I a... I guess maybe uh, an angry black guy who he called the N-word to. Well, Andre uh, called Kamala the dirty word. And uh, the next match, uh, Andre... Uh, they, they went stiff? They, yeah, and, and Kamala, like, knocked him down. And uh, he was so afraid of Andre after that because he was like, wow, I just beat this guy's ass in front of everyone legit. And he knew all the wrestlers in the back were watching that every match they had after the fact... Uh Kamala had a pouch sewed in the front of his, uh you know, uh, he didn't really wear shorts, but uh, whatever that thing was, he wore with a miniature gun in it. That just shows you how crazy they were back there. He's wrestling with a loaded gun in his shorts that could have gone off and blown his dick off. Wow. Because uh, he was that afraid of Andre the Giant. So please get uh That's Kamala. how big his
1: dick was yeah. he could
0: hide a gun in his pants. Yeah, that's a big <laughs> and, and Andre yeah. thought it was his dick. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, please help out Kamala. He's lost both of his legs due to a diabetes and, uh, you know, it's, he gets the proceeds of the book and I know it's 20 bucks isn't going to help cure his diabetes, but it helped some way. Uh, and, uh, this is inappropriate. We're on iTunes and SoundCloud. Uh, thank you guys for the support. Episode 100. I never thought I'd get this far.
1: Thank you for having me. i really feel honored. It's crazy. that I'm, uh, uh, who, who who canceled? <laughs> Listen, about sixty eight people. It, it was. That should a, be the name of the episode. Everybody right. canceled.
0: Now Joe Bartney. <laughs> so, uh, but follow Joe. Uh, insensitivity training with him and Corey McCown. Puck off with the legendary Frazier. I have Smed. a book.
1: You might be a douchebag in hardback. Okay, where can they get it? Amazon. Yeah, everywhere. Yeah, so I have you a CD might- you can get uh, called. Uh, salute you can
0: get that anywhere do you have stuff on itunes oh yeah you can buy it on itunes so go on uh itunes joe bartnick salute it's out there and uh he's truly one of the good ones one of my best friends and uh you know let's all support each other in 2016 and uh next week's guest will be the be jimmy page right With AIDS, uh, will be the great Olivia Grace. We're going to break down our roast battle matchup January 30th at LA Riot Fest in downtown LA at the Independent Theater. If you are in LA, Buy a ticket because you're going to get to see me and a 20-year-old girl rip into each other. And What uh, day of the week is that again? That's uh, Saturday, January 30th. Okay. Uh, and Jeff Ross will be uh, running the show. The Sklar brothers and the great Joe DeRosa will be judging. is going to be a judge. He's uh, He looks like me with Down syndrome. Uh, so. Joe. Just kidding, Joe. Uh, I know he could kill me uh so if you're in la january
1: derosa derosa's a derosa's like a he's like a he's like a um a stuffed animal yeah (laughs) is the most
0: unphysically imposing human being he's like a teddy bear well he looks like me if i were to give up (laughs) but he's an awesome comic great roaster as, as well uh so january 30th riot fest Riot LA, uh, downtown independent theater. It's uh, tickets still available. I think you just go on riotla.com and get tickets. And uh, you know I'll be at the comedy store a few times here and there. So uh, Olivia Grace next week, but this week episode one hundred. Joe Bartnick, spread it, share it, Facebook it, tweet it, and a lot of you have been good at this, but not everyone's doing it. Tweet at Gene Simmons. Let's get him on Inappropriate Earl. Gene, don't run from me. We're going to talk about your movie with Tom Selleck. We're going to talk about Wanted Dead or Alive with the aforementioned Rutger Hauer. Has Nick Randall, the bounty hunter. And we're going to get into Trick or Treat with you and Ozzy Osbourne. Red Dawn, your movie with uh, George Clooney. You, you're not going to get any Ace and Peter questions with me, Gene. So get on it. Inappropriate Earl. 2016 Gene Simmons I'm coming for you and as Paul Stanley says never lick it down always lick it up